If you guys could remake any classic comedy into a slasher film, what would you pick? John. Um, I would go with Seinfeld. I think that with a little bit of twist, it could make a real good American Psycho kind of uh, killer movie. You could see Jerry as like the Patrick Bateman. He's manipulating all his friends hmm. to have really shitty lives <laughs> for his own amusement. So Jerry's the killer. Yes, Jerry would definitely. Okay. So same actors and everything, just a, a different twist on the script. Yeah, that's how I would picture it. And instead of breaking up with all these women at the end, he kills them. Oh, okay. Well, that's the slasher part. Oh. All right. I wonder how long it'd be before they found out like what he was doing. Yeah. Comedian turned slasher. A short series, but uh... <laughs> that's true. Same exact cast. The jerk with Steve Martin. Yeah. Basically, he just okay. slowly, just slowly loses his mind and goes crazy. <laughs> No one's safe. Is he but too we- stupid to know he's the murderer? Oh, I don't even know. I, I, did, oh, I didn't. That would be a good twist. I didn't though. put that much thought into it. I just thought I just like I started imagining like him like running around with a chainsaw, like Leatherface, you know, kind of just flailing it. But there's some like great comedic reason for it. Um, when he's like, he hates these cans, you know, like what is he? I mean, there's there's so many possibilities. I would just love to see that kind of just twisted because yeah, he is kind of just so oblivious. I would choose Tommy Boy. Oh God. Cool. So Who's the killer? David Spade. So every time they go to sell a brake pad, anybody who doesn't buy, David Spade kills them. <laughs> and Tommy is so dumb, he's oblivious to it all. So it's a motivation to, to buy those brake pads. It's exactly. Yeah, so when they show up to sell them to Dan Aykroyd, he immediately agrees to it before they even make it upstairs. They don't even pull the bomb bit where he shows them the bomb to get upstairs. And then the cops roll in, and it turns out Aykroyd's been working with the cops because they're not as dumb as Tommy is. What if you find out that Aykroyd's been doing the same thing, and that's how he built his huge-ass empire, and he's more of a psycho killer than David Spade ever could be? I think that's a better twist. He's a, he's <laughs> the double twist right there. You've been murdering all wrong. Here, get in here. I'm going to show you the ropes. <laughs> Quick note about this episode, we will be discussing horror comedy films today, so if you want to enhance your experience with us, please watch Slither from 2006, Shaun of the Dead from 2004, and 2010's Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Please enjoy. Hey all you creatures from cyberspace, welcome to another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. My name is Mark, and again, joined with Garrett and John. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing all right. Finally not a shitty overcast day at Austin. So. It is quite nice outside, yeah. yes. Doing great. Good. What's new? I don't know. Uh, had to watch a bunch of movies for these podcasts. Um, <laughs> last minute, as always, so cramming way too many horror movies into one night. and That's how these usually tend to go. Guaranteeing that I'm not going to sleep well, so that's been fun. Did you think any of these were scary? You know, parts of them. Okay. Parts of them. Well, what about outside of our topic today? Any, any new horror-related things you started or enjoyed? I've not enjoyed it, but I've continued to very slowly make my way through Alien Isolation. <laughs> Oh, that's like right. 15 minutes at a time, essentially. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Is like, or playing that game is like a job. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that in the future. I think it has its moments, but yes, it can be very tedious and it is a little too long. Oh my God, it never Maybe ends. very too long. Yeah, it could be half as long and I'd have been very content. Well, I mean, 
we are going to Texas Frightmare in May. That's true. Um, going out Mar- to Dallas for a big convention. Yeah, it's a big horror convention with a bunch of people that I'm not familiar with at all, but I know you two are super stoked about some of the guests. I think it's just going to be a fun time to check this kind of thing out. I've never actually been to a particular themed event more. You know, we've done Comic-Con yeah. and Wizard World and stuff, but not like a genre-specific convention, you know, like the anime things. You ever been to one of those? Yeah, I've been to a couple Are they of those. As weird as I think they'd be. Uh, you know, it depends. It depends on your perception of weird. I mean, there are definitely some people who are really into it, but for the most part, it's just you know, like any con, you've got a pe- subset of people who just really enjoy the medium. I think, and that's kind of my hesitation with this frightmare thing. I'm mm. like, I've got this preconceived conception of some of the people I, I know are like way crazy into horror, and I'm like, oh, good, I get to deal with these people all weekend. How but, many? People dressed up as the Scream guy, do you think, are going to show up as cosplaying that? Uh, two. Still Just now? Two? You think two. so? Like, I think it's going to be so... I bet we're going to see a couple. I think it's going to be so limited. I want to know how many people are going to show up dressed as Jigsaw on tricycles. <laughs> I hope 30. I just want to see a long train of tricycles. A little biker gang of jigsaws. Okay. And every time they pass you, I want to play a game. I want to play a game. I want to, wow, stop it. Quit it. So that'll be happening um, at the beginning of May. So shortly, not too far after that, I'm sure we'll do a, an episode where we kind of talk about um, what went down there, what yeah. we saw, uh, maybe anything new that's coming out that right. you know we can... We can shed some light on. So look forward to that. And if you see anybody wearing a Grave Talk shirt, it's probably us. So you can say what's up. <laughs> I'm going shirtless. So oh, good, good, good. I can't wait. <laughs> um, outside of that, um, I recently watched a movie called Pawnee Pool from 2008. You guys heard of that Did one? Did you say Pony Pool? Ponty Pool. Ponty Pool. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's the name of a Canadian town where this is set. Um, it's... Uh, we just wrapped up our zombie episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually one of those, but it was a little different, a little unique. It's about a radio DJ who's on his way to work, and when he gets there, um, a massive crisis starts unfolding. People are calling in, talking about all these people getting murdered. He doesn't know what's going on, and it's all just from like the point of view of the station. It never mm-hmm. like sw- like goes outside and into the town, really. They got a chopper guy that calls, and he's like, oh, my God. You know, They're doing that whole thing over the radio. Um, but what makes it unique is the uh, delivery method of the virus. So I don't want to spoil it too much, but if you're looking for something different and unique, it's a low-budget thing, but it was pretty interesting, so maybe give it a watch. Cool. Where is it on? Um, I had to uh, rent it, okay. so I don't know if it's available anywhere, but worth checking out if you're still looking for some zombie things. Um, also started reading the Exorcist book after oh, yeah. we did our, uh, uh, our episode on exorcism, I picked that up. Thoughts? Um, about 270 pages in, his thoughts, he never learned to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's what's happy. his first letter? <laughs> T. When he starts with how far in the book he is. <laughs> I've read about 270 <laughs> of these pages. <laughs> I want to make sure that our listeners know that I know how to read. That's what I'm in. Um, it's good. It's wildly more graphic yeah. than the movie was. I mean, there's some things going on in there that I'm just like, wow. If they had tried to put this on screen, it would have been a rated X and like, <laughs> straight into the trash can they wouldn't even put it on film but yeah i think that movie culture has gotten so permissive they could remake the exorcist closer to the book now or is it still too risque i think it's still too risque i agree um really even with like eli roth stuff out there there's some moments that you're like okay you, you know like the crotch and cross scene yep Far more graphic. Okay, just for the record, I sounded way too excited when I said yeah. I didn't mean it like that. I was just saying yeah. I was oh, agreeing yeah, I like, know. oh, I remember that scene. Not tell, that I'm like, tell yeah, me more. That's my Tell jam. me more. 
No, yeah. it, uh, it, other people are involved in that scene. Okay. So well, I'll just very, leave it at that. Um, it's very sacrilegious, which I don't think we... If anything, I think we've gone the other way. We're probably less likely to see that kind of stuff on screen these days. You would think that, but then we have shows like Preacher on TV, where I never thought that would have made a release. True. So I don't know. It depends. I don't know. I think that'd be a good kind of litmus test to see where we're at. How, yeah. how uh, true to the book can we make The Exorcist nowadays? Let's yeah. kickstart it. Who I wants to play Reagan? Putting an Exorcist remake in the like this the world now that idea. Out <laughs> you there didn't put that in the everything out there has basically been yeah, thought like what if we made a remake to? Isn't there a television show, The Exorcist? Is, yeah. is it based on this on Blatty's book also, or is it just its own thing? No, it's probably more like The Exorcist three, kind of off of that story. Okay, it's I've only seen um, the first season. It was better than I expected, but I also expected to be trash. So it doesn't mean it's good. Well, after we did that episode, I definitely noticed that you're right. There's a million exorcist movies now, or oh, exorcism yeah. movies. It's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, if you were in, if you enjoyed the original 1970, was it four uh, exorcist film, then definitely check out the book. Uh, it's good to compare and contrast, and I think you'll like it. Um, I also started watching a movie on Netflix called Little Devil. Either you guys watch that one? I haven't heard that one. No. <laughs> It is starring what's soon to be our mascot of the show, Adam Scott. All right. <laughs> um, he plays a stepfather of the devil. He marries oh. Kate of uh, Kate from Lost. I forget her name. Yeah. Um, um, but she apparently is the mother of this little boy who's like just a terror. Movie. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, it's on my Netflix queue. I haven't gotten around to watching it yet, though. Well, check it out. It's actually directed by the guy who did Zombieland and okay. Tucker and Dale. Dig it. Wait, the guy who did Zombieland was also Tucker and Dale? Yep, same dude. And his name is Eli Craig. Okay, interesting. So if you like those two, give it a shot. I did like those two. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about horror comedy. Uh, Things that are maybe a little more lighthearted. Things that are intentionally funny, maybe not bad on accident. Yeah, they definitely went into it like, let's let's infuse this with comedy. Let's make a comedy that has horror elements as opposed to let's make a, a horror movie that has comedic moments. Yeah, not like B-movies per se. Yeah. yeah. Right. We're not talking about suburban Sasquatch or any of these like <laughs> bad... I'm sorry, horror. did you say suburban Sasquatch? It exists. I own it. All right, I'm out. proud about I'm out. Too. I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> it's such a good film. It came with five others on the same disc. Oh, I love those. <laughs> You know, it's a better value. Yeah. yeah. So we get a lot of crossover uh, with horror these days, I noticed. So I thought I'd bring some of those examples up. We've had genre crossovers with musicals have started to happen. Did you know that? What, musical There's, horror movies? There are zombie musicals now. I could see that because they have like Repo Man. It's, I mean, not really a horror, but kind of horror-y. There's uh, Sweeney Todd. My wife was very excited when she found this out. So I watched several trailers yesterday. Uh, the Disney Channel put out one called Zombies that came out two weeks ago. Yeah, the soundtrack is uh, trending on iTunes right now. Is it really? Yes, it is. You've seen it. Okay. I no, I've not seen it, but I saw the soundtrack. <laughs> well, I've seen four videos, so I think I've seen the entire film just about. Um, also one called Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a, a Scottish film. Hmm. And it's after the apocalypse, and it's all they're killing zombies while singing. Too bad it's not killing zombies by singing. That oh. would be a movie I could get behind. Ooh. Dude, we got to scrub that from this podcast. We're going to kickstart that idea. <laughs> like a uh, Mars Attacks kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've also had some romance horrors recently. Warm bodies. Of course, yeah. I didn't see that, did you? No. That's the one where a girl dates a zombie. 
It was very popular. Why are you though. looking at me? I've, <laughs> I want some input. <laughs> I definitely have not watched any of this. You think romance movies. Think Garrett. <laughs> and I think also Shape of Water might fall into like a romance horror-esque type macabre thing, right? See, that's, you know, I'm I'm always so iffy on labels on mm. this kind of stuff because it everything just is, a lot of stuff is so fluid. Um, yeah. Macabre is a great word. You know, does that does that count as horror, or is that just something that has like you know like macabre, dark overtones or undertones? You know, like I think Shape of Water definitely has some moments that are uneasy and maybe a little bit scary at times. You know, but I don't know. I wouldn't consider that like a, a horror film at all. I think there's definitely some startling moments. Uh, some other crossovers we had. We've got those cr- uh, classic literature crossovers. You guys remember those? Mm-hmm. The Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and that whole thing. Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Abraham Lincoln, Zombie Hunter. Vampire Hunter. Vampire Hunter. Get your monster <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but today we're talking about Slither, Tucker and Dale, and Shaun of the Dead. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That's right. I left out the versus part. It's like the most important part. So let's get started. We're going to start off with Slither from 2006. This was James Gunn's directorial debut. Um, stars Nathan Fillion, Michael Rooker, Elizabeth Banks, and Greg Henry. And James Gunn was the guy who did uh, Guardians, right? Guardians that of the Galaxy. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So my first note on James Gunn: that man has a hard on for AM Gold music. Like every <laughs> movie he's done, it's got like this AM Gold soundtrack. It's like Does classic a- hits of the '60s and '70s, smooth to your. It's like. Oh my god! Like that's the first thing I noticed about this movie. I was like, "Oh, this dude listens to like one type of music." Maybe he gets a discount. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I honestly don't remember much of Slither's soundtrack. No, to be me honest, um, what stand any standout tracks? Well, the part where there he she puts on the oh no yeah she puts on the song oh this oh, is she, our song yeah, yeah this right. is our song and then I thought about like the Guardian soundtrack I was like oh this is all the same I mean don't get me wrong there's some really good stuff in there but it was just one of those things I was like. This dude really likes this type of music. It's just his, his game, that's I his, guess. That's his bag. Um, did you know James Gunn worked for Troma? Really? Yeah. I was reading up on him yesterday. He he wrote Tromeo and Juliet. Huh. So I thought that was kind of neat. Okay. That's pretty cool. For those of you that haven't seen Slither, I'm going to read the back of the DVD box. When a disgustingly devious alien infestation takes hold, the people of Weasley soon finds themselves in dire need of some extreme pest control. With the residents in the state of chaos, it's down to the sheriff, Bill Party, his team, and Starla Grant uh, Banks to put a stop to the marauding alien mutant zombies from taking over not only their hometown, but also the entire globe. Prepare for another level of nausea, unique hilarity, and screaming organisms in this genre-chomping directorial debut from James Gunn. Do you think it accomplished that? Yeah, it was all right. You got to love back of the DVD box alliteration. <laughs> I don't even, I mean, there was just so much there. I don't know. Uh... Just wait until I read you some of the ones from the 90s. Oh, God. No, no, we're good. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was, I saw Slither in the theater. Um, I went with a girl to see it in the theater. And um, I know we were both like pleasantly surprised of like how like just kind of creepy. It looked kind of funny, but like how creepy and gory it was. It was like, wow, that's pretty intense. There's yeah. some some imagery in that movie that I was just like, wow, that... Ugh. Personally, I didn't find it to be very comedic. I thought it was an excellent homage to like the B-Monster movies of like the 50s, you know, 40s and 50s, but I didn't find it very humorous per se. I think we get a lot of influences from movies like The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm-hmm. The Blob, um, 1986's uh, or 84's I forget exactly which but uh, Night of the Creeps did you ever see that one? no it's about slugs okay. who go into people's mouths and then 
Turn them into zombies. Like a direct relationship yeah. with Slytherin. <laughs> I could have just described Slither to you. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I found myself laughing a lot at this. And maybe it was more like the situational comedy that they kept finding themselves in. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Nathan Fillion, he's the sheriff. I thought he did a fantastic job. We had, uh, who's the girl from The Office? The girl who Pam. plays Pam. Um, she was in it. She played the ditzy, uh, like, radio CB... I just heard her interview on Mark Maron's podcast, and I still can't remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize. I didn't put your name on here. But yeah, this uh, this film was gross. It was gross. You know I like I mean? that part of it for sure. Um, but I also found it funny, like especially when you get to portions of Michael Rooker in, in particular, whenever he starts transforming all of his excuses that he's making for why he looks as gross as he is. <laughs> he's a, it's just an allergic reaction to a bee sting, honey. That's all. Oh yeah, uh, when it was funny, I did like that. Scene. Yeah, when Fillion basically like meets that family and he's like, "What's wrong with you?" and they're like, "Uh, would you believe poison ivy?" Like, <laughs> like I do, I I did find that kind of like amusing. Like all the different like, there's no way these excuses are valid kind of thing that they kept running throughout the whole movie. But I agree with John. Um, it was entertaining, but I didn't really find it super funny. Like I didn't really like find myself laughing much. I found myself going like. Huh. Okay, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of clever. Especially compared to like the other movies we watched, like Shaun of the Dead, right? Which is like a we'll get to it, but very very funny. I laughed a ton during that movie. And you got to wonder if that goes back to what Mark's saying though, where this was more just kind of an homage to like these old style movies that had right. a little hint of like kind of campy fun. Yeah, I think versus it's those fun were with ri- those were written as comedies. So maybe that's what that's what kind of went down there. The other two films we're going to be talking about, I think the meter is definitely in more favor of the comedy than the horror. I think this one decides a little more to the horror genre. One thing I really did love is, um, as Mark kind of mentioned from the the DVD synopsis, is these things are all kind of connected, and they have like a hive mind. And at one point, one of them jumps in this girl's mouth and um, is trying to work its way down, and she like bites into it, and so she can like tap into the, the, the conscious mind of all these things, and she sees the history of this um this creature and what it's going to do. And that was actually pretty interesting. I was like, that's kind of cool. The it's way a, good, they, a good way to info dump for the audience to see yeah. exactly where this thing came from. And it was and real quick. There on. was no narration. It was just kind of just flashing images, but you, they did a really good job of like making it very clear. Like, Oh, this is what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did like that. You know, Bill party was not like a super cop. He was definitely like a small town cop. Just sort of, who's Bill party, you know, he's a Nathan Fillion. Oh, Nathan Fillion. Okay. Yeah. Almost every plan did not go to accordingly, yes. uh, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but yeah, the movie starts off uh, a classic horror premise. The meteorite falls from the sky, crashes on Earth. The slug comes out, and Michael Rooker's character, he's named his Grant. He's been having some marital issues uh, at you that time. skip his last name. His name is Grant Grant. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, remember when they look at the tree and he like he makes fun of that girl for having the initials of BM and then she's like, at least I don't have two of the same names. Yeah. Wow, I missed that entirely. Oh, yeah. Michael Rooker's Grant Grant. He goes off to a bar to have some drinks and then the tale is all this time. You know, the temptation at infidelity just causes a boy and girl to mutate into a pus-filled monster giving birth to alien parasites. I mean, how many times have we heard that one? Come on. Yeah, I mean, it's a, almost a bedtime story. To be yeah, honest. it really is. <laughs> uh, so Grant, uh, one of the cre- the the slug hits him with one of these like little darts, 
Yeah. Then he goes straight so into his tell. chest. And he shoots something out. Well, that's the origin creature. Like, that's the creature. Yeah. That's the original one. None of, yeah, because remember um, when the, the girl's like, I've seen it. I know what it really looks like. It's a tiny little needle-looking faced monster. And that's what goes into Grant, Michael Rooker's character. And then after that, notice no one else has that little needle thing go into him. So yeah, that was the actual creature the causing all the that chaos? Was the, that I thought was that was the, just like the injection or something. Mm-hmm. That was the actual creature burning itself oh. into him. Because also notice we saw how it like infected his mind. That was a cool scene. I actually lived like that. <laughs> uh, my roommate was like, "Like, wait a minute. Did they just get special powers where she can now see through people? Is that what just happened here? And I was like, no, I think they're just trying to illustrate like what's going on with this uh, this monster. Yeah. And I was like, that would have been interesting. Um, Grant then uh, grows two chest dicks. He does, yeah. What'd chest you guys tentacles. Well, come on. Chest That's how tentacles. he was impregnating things. And it took both dicks. <laughs> <laughs> It literally took both of them because we say later on that it's important that you get injected with yeah. both. Well, of them. I'm just not going to comment on this one. I'm just going to leave this one where yeah. it is, Mark. Were... Did you see his face? Oh, I saw his face. He enjoyed using <clears throat> his chest. Yes, no, no, I, I get it. I'm just saying. You just <laughs> look. I'm just calling it as it is. Your face on this is great. Well, anyway, um, so yeah, Grant is going through a transformation. Um, he still has all his memories. And the one memory that seems to stick and influence the actual alien parasite is his love for his wife. Which, which is Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks. Who are we not going to talk about how bad of an actress she yeah, is? she was the worst person in this movie. Is she always this bad? Yes. I think so. Well, I don't know. I, I just kind of accepted it as she was supposed to be the innocent country girl. You know, so really? it didn't you bother me. That ridiculous accent she was putting on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I did. Yeah. The alien creature, uh, I guess, is either influenced by Grant's memories or the alien itself falls in love with her, too. I think they both do. Yeah. Because yeah. at the end, it's all about, oh, you're so lonely and all that bullshit. Right. And that's a big point of uh, how they actually managed to defeat it. But as Grant continues to mutate, he looks grosser and grosser. Garrett, how would you feel about the room full of dead animals? <clears throat> so let's just go ahead and uh, point out that you guys and me watch another movie where they showed a dead cat prominently displayed on the screen. I'm You guys are done. You guys get no more suggestions. I had never seen that movie, this movie before I watched it for the podcast. Oh, really? It was your yeah, first time? It was my first time. So this was a Mark Dead Cat. Don't put that on. Okay, all right, this, Mark. This was Mark Dead Cat. Okay. It's true. Yeah, no, I was like, I was like oh, yeah, I forgot there was a bunch of like fake looking dead animals and then it was like oh by the way you want to see an opened up cat here you go Garrett I was like you sons of bitches they fuck cats twice in that movie because at the after credit scene is a cat getting injected again oh I didn't get that far oh, the yeah. moment the credits started rolling I was like oh thank god no there's a scene at the end where the uh, cat is like pawing at the remains of uh, the exploded Michael Rooker and uh, he gets infected Oh, it wasn't a bad movie, but I definitely think like if I hadn't been on a date the first time I saw it, I don't think I would have like cut it as much slack then it, as I would have It sounds now. like you go on a lot of dates to horror films. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting deep here. You know, like that's a different podcast, Mark. All right. I'm just saying. <laughs> Welcome back to Love Talk with Garrett. <laughs> I saw this one. If on a girl date. wants to go to a horror movie, you just go to a damn horror movie. You need to take him to a romance comedy. Yeah, no, man. I'm just saying. Well, Slither was kind of like a romance. Yeah, there you go. That's true. I want to set the tone right out the gate. It had a very big romantic element to it. I think think we saw the trailer and it was like, that looks kind of like stupidly funny. Which it is. It's stupidly funny, I thought. It definitely is. I'd recommend it, to be honest. I mean, it was a good one-time watch. I don't know if I'll ever go back and watch Slither again, but... um, Again, it's it's not bad. I think if you're looking for like 
like laughs though yeah this is not it if you're looking for a fun kind of like throwback to like you said mark old timey monster movies and stuff mm-hmm. like that then yeah absolutely this is a really good you know take on it it's got a lot of talented people other than elizabeth banks yeah. apparently um yeah this movie would have been better without her i feel like it would have been more popular if they'd gotten a better lead actress <laughs> well at the time though she was huge she was very popular but also not huge but yeah she was very popular. a terrible actress still <laughs> she didn't outgrow that no yeah all these she years. hasn't grown i think my favorite character in the whole movie is the mayor that dude like was an mayor. asshole and he had some of the funniest lines in the movie i thought and maybe that's why i think it's so funny like when he just has his tantrum over mr pib yes. <laughs> where is the mr pib i told your secretary to pack mr pib it's the only coke i like Goddamn Brenda's floating like a water balloon. Worms driving my friends around like they're goddamn skin cars. People are spitting acid at me, turning you into cottage cheese. And now there's no fucking goddamn Mr. Pib. Jesus Christ, Jack, let me get right on it. So one of the things Grant is doing now uh, that he's infected, he's having to, I guess, eat all the meat he can find. Yeah, he's super hungry. Basically, he's got to, like, yeah. feed his feed, species. Like, his queen, too. Right. Uh, so the girl that he went off into the woods with he goes back to later and then Chess dicks her and she gets all kind of sluggy inside and turns into a balloon. Yeah, that was a pretty cool scene where she was huge and just had her head. (laughs) It was a very good visual. She just looks like a giant lump of skin with a face on the front it's like if you took that willy wonka scene like to the extreme you know like a violin or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah she's like i'm so hungry can you pass me a piece of that possum over there (laughs) and then she explodes and that's when we get all the the slithering happening for uh all the little like worm looking things (laughs) we're watching that the first time you see like one of the close-up things um every minute was like hey it looks like a pork roast <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> Gross. okay that's disgusting did she get hungry because then i'd be no concerned. no it was okay. just saying she's like that kind of like a pork wine i, I was like one of those slugs <laughs> the slugs definitely had that 2006 cg look oh yeah you know what sure. i mean it was just a little too sheen on it you know just yeah. a little too clean but i think it worked a bit because they were meant to be slimy so the shininess like, was the early but it really part. was not it did not detract like i mean yes it had a little bit of like the kind of the cleaner cg mm-hmm. at the time but to be fair they looked pretty good and I some agree. of the stuff that i thought was going to be the hardest thing to like restomach was um like michael rooker like has like he can swing like one of his tentacle arms and like slash people in half and stuff like that like oh, that clean scene, clean yeah. cut perfectly slice them like a razor mm-hmm. and um they open up and stuff like that the cg on that where he slashes really fast um it looked really good yeah. i was like wow okay i was pretty impressed with like the uh the technical side of that yeah there film. wasn't any effects that pulled me out of it yeah no agreed uh, one thing I wanted to mention about the dead animal room that I thought was hilarious. That yeah, let's delve into that. Mark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your favorite part. He had a he, he labeled all the hanging coyotes. Oh, it just did, said yeah. coyote, and I'm like, in case he forgets. Like, I think he labeled all the animals. I don't know why he did. He's a creature. He, what does the alien need to know what he's eating, really? What if he's hungry for a specific thing? Right? He's like, man, I could really go for some coyote. He knows right the fuck where they are. Maybe he has recipes. Yeah. I mean, because this this creature has destroyed multiple worlds. It goes from world to world, basically, like, devouring and stuff like that. So maybe he's just picked up a few. I just don't know why he would need to label his food. (laughs) It's an alien species. He doesn't know. He's just an organized Although he does have Michael Rooker's memories. So, like, you think, like, if Michael Rooker knows a coyote, he should. That's true. 
That's a good point. And Michael Rooker in that movie seemed like the organized type, so. He did. He had a very clean house. He did, yeah. It was like a mansion. Yeah. What did he do for a living? Car salesman, I think? Some kind of salesperson, yeah. Because they had that one scene in his office, but it was unclear. I guess we should add that they decide they are going to catch Grant, right? Everybody knows that he's kind of the creature and they're using Elizabeth Banks. Yeah, they cut straight from Grant just mutilating like swarms of like livestock and animals and stuff like that Mm -hmm. to like, all right, guys, let's get out there and hunt this guy. Like, it just seems so blasé. Like, they just (laughs) were like, oh, we got to do this today again, huh? And it was like, wow, you guys, I feel like you'd take this a little more seriously. They're all just chilling out in the in the wheat field. Well, the mayor's freaking out. The mayor's, this is before that, but the mayor's freaking out. He's like, you got to do something. And then like, they're just like, yeah, we'll get back out there and we'll find them. And I was like, yo, this, this guy's like, killing tons of animals maybe take it a little more seriously they did not seem to care no i think that plays into them just being these small town cops that didn't really seem to take anything very seriously until the end hmm. yeah once brenda splits open some of the cops that were out there trying to catch grant get infected with the worms i guess it infected what do you call that taken over taken over it's like a parasite yeah i would say taken over they okay. said it was like a living virus i mean guess infected yeah well, she said it was like a living virus. Maybe that's because it's an organism. I think it doesn't really We're going to really delve we into the science of this. Yeah, let's not really. Well, like... I'm trying to get to the point that one of the coolest parts that you touched on earlier was the hive mind consciousness. So as soon as these people get the worms in them, all of a sudden Grant's talking through every single person in the town that's been infected by these worms. And I did not put that together right away on my second watch. I was like, I was like, wait. That sounds like Grant. What the hell is going on here? And I was like, oh, wait, that's right. They all have like the collective yeah. mind. They start using that accent and then the the language or you know, his nickname for his wife. And you got to give it up to those actors. They did a really good Michael Rooker. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, they had some talent there. I was like, okay. Yeah, there are probably like 30 people in this movie and 29 of them were great. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's the bad one again? Uh, I think it was, uh, what's her name? oh, Elizabeth Banks. Oh, right. Trash. <laughs> that's gonna get back to her somehow we have a lot of explaining to do i hope so some guys in austin were saying you guys are trash (laughs) finally this all culminates um with a plan to get back and uh get rid of grant i forget exactly how but they figure out if they stop grant that'll stop all of it right yeah talking to the um lady he saves from the bathroom, you know, that whole scene. Who looked to be about 17 years yeah, old. Yeah, it was really a child. Um, the one who had gotten into the consciousness, right? And he was right. like, oh, if we, if it's so, since it's a central consciousness, if we kill uh, Grant, will that kill them all? And she's like, I don't know, let's try. When they're trying to find Grant, they go to a farm. The girl you're talking about was the daughter of the farmer of the land that they were staked out on. Yes. So they do the whole scene of her in the bathtub, almost kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street with the glove. Yeah, it was they show the scene. little slithering worm uh, in the bathtub with her, but she manages to break free, but not before she gets the data dump by biting on the worm or the worm biting her. I, okay, so I have to ask. I mean, does it have to be through the mouth? Because I feel like if that worm was just trying to get inside of her, there's easier ways to do that in the bathtub without having to swim up to her face and have her be like, "Oh, what is that." Maybe it's like the mouth because it's going straight to the brain. So it, it's Maybe. also an alien. I'm not trying to get know. too far into you that know? because, yeah. you know, there's going to be people on the internet who have already like dug Dying into this. But I'm just saying like if you're trying to like just basically get into a person as quick as possible, you know, there's faster ways. There was a scene of someone infected with the worm getting their head split open and the worm jumps out. So maybe not every hole gives a direct 
route <laughs> okay. to the brain. Or maybe it's an alien who doesn't know all of you know the biology. <laughs> it, uh, okay. Knows mouth- all right, let's move on. Let's move on. I was just curious. No, let's keep diving into this. So <laughs> mouth or chest dicks? That's all. High school use. biology tells me. <laughs> um, so they find themselves going back to Grant Grant's house where he's all held up in one of the grossest scenes that I thought was that everybody who was affected were then smushing themselves into Grant and turning into one giant blob of skin. Yeah, they're like melding into him. It was gross. What was fuck. the point of that? I think that's how he takes over the planet. Yes, because remember when the when he, they show the previous planet through the flashbacks, all those rat monsters fused to one giant rat monster creature? Because I saw that but like, then in the what? flashback. I guess he just basically rules the damn planet yeah. like a mongoloid like crazy a, thing. A Kira-sized fleshy thing. There you yeah. go. They I would have loved if Nathan Fillon like, ran out and was like, that's a... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was gross. Um, that Nathan... leads directly to my favorite scene where he Was goes, it the grenade? Yes. He goes <laughs> and he makes this snappy one-liner and then Grant just knocks the fucking grenade out of his hand. And it's scenes like that that really made me think this was a comedy, right? Because it's not like we're making jokes necessarily unless you want to count the mayor's Mr. Pibb yeah. freakouts. But like the situational things of where any other horror movie that might have gone off and blown up the guy yeah. and that would have been the end of it but he the grenade gets knocked into the pool and this is where Nathan Fillion he gets stabbed with the chest dicks <laughs> but it was only one of them right Important. and that's why he didn't die and get infected with all the baby leeches so Almost. you've got to have both chest dicks at the same time yeah. it's very important both dual of them. dick system it's yes. a dual dick system it's a dual dick delivery system <laughs> yes, yes. so it's very important uh, but he took he takes one of those and he jams it into a propane tank Fills Grant full of propane, and then Elizabeth Banks shoots him and explodes. Hank Hill approves. <laughs> <laughs> propane. And that kind of ends the film, but it sounds like I didn't sit through the credits either, John, but you said that at the remains of Grant, yes, the cat after credit scene gets eaten the by the worm. gets infected, and I guess restarts the whole Yeah, thing. the so, cats will rule. Slither 2, <laughs> cat off. Slither 2, the snuggling. Yeah. What do you guys think a collective cat consciousness would be? Meow, 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 meow. Lick butts, chill out, do nothing. Oh, it's what well, I'm gonna wait for 12 minutes. Chase, chase random like things of light, you know. I don't think it'd be that bad, actually. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have a vermin problem. No, you know, that's true. I just wonder if it'd be any benefits to having a cat connected to every other cat. If, if it's like the cats that we have now, the cat wouldn't care about us until like it's briefly. True. It'd be like, hey, real quick, pet me. All right, I'm out. Don't talk to me, don't touch me. But if it's Garfield, all the lasagna would be gone. Oh, my God, Mark. Yeah, that's a risk. That's a legitimate <laughs> risk. So Slither wasn't considered a success. It only grossed $12.8 million on a $29.5 million budget. Whoa. Yeah, the wow. uh, company that put it out said they were crushingly disappointed by its gross. And Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> <laughs> and she was never seen again. She was buried with the movie. Unfortunately, she was in Hunger Games. Yeah. So. Oops. Uh, but it, it's it's kind of had as its following now. Uh, I actually went and saw it in the theater, and I was actually impressed with it. I didn't know a lot about it, but I was like, this looks gross. I like Nathan Fillion. Let's go check it yeah. out. I would recommend it yeah. as a, like a one-time watch. I wouldn't basically be like, like, oh, I would never be like, you have to see this movie. But if someone's like, I want like a cool monster movie, I'd be like, yo, check out Slither. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree I, with, with that. It was a, it, I enjoyed watching it, for sure. So if you're looking for a throwback to that uh, space horror, parasite-style movies of the 50s, uh, definitely give it a watch. 
you see James Gunn's comedy timing, I guess. You get a you can you can definitely see his style. Now I never saw Tromeo and Juliet, so mm-hmm. I don't know if it exists in that as well. But um, you can definitely you can definitely see his style uh, very prevalent in this movie, and I think it works. I think it actually is a really good format. I mean, it's you can look at Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that and see like how it just perfectly at certain times mirrors that and like how he found what works and what doesn't also michael rooker and nathan fillion have both been in guardians of the galaxy wait so, nathan fillion was in guardians yeah he played one of the the prison guys who gets picked up and then they're like we'll jam this up you so far whatever you remember that blue alien oh yeah yeah that was nathan fillion okay i didn't know oh. that you guys saw that they're remaking uh mary poppins what yeah they're remaking it mary poppins and they're also doing a winnie the pooh movie with ewan mcgregor but uh, the Winnie, the Mary, the Winnie Poppins, the Mary Poppins thing though, it was funny. It was like, like they didn't say who was gonna play Mary Poppins, and it was like just a teaser. And then it was all like the first comment on Twitter for like Disney's official thing was just basically a picture of like Yondu with the the thing floating down. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, Disney, don't fuck this up. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. And then they finally announced who it was, and they're like, it's been done better. And they kept posting pictures of Michael Rooker. I was like, this is pretty great that this is gonna be a permanent meme now. I'd probably watch that whole film if it was Michael Rooker oh, as Mary fuck Poppins. Oh, yes, man. That'd be, That'd be good, amazing. Good Especially in the, in the era of gender swapping. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, let's, let's get a let's male. Let's do it. Like a, man, a, a Mary Mario Pop- Poppins. A Mario <laughs> Poppins. <laughs> now it has to be Mario Lopez. Oh, there you or go. Or Mario Van Peebles. Oh. Has, he, has anybody heard from him in a while? Many good Marios out there that we could be using. That's true. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all! You guys seen that Shaun of the Dead film? <laughs> I have for this podcast. Oh yeah, me too. Do you like it? I love it. It's pretty damn good, it, isn't it? Is it the best zombie film that's ever been? No. Which one is? Twenty Eight Days Later, man. Oh. I'm sorry. I yeah. love Twenty Eight Days Later. It is just a tremendous. It's probably the best horror comedy that's ever been made. Ooh, that's hard yeah. to argue. It's a tremendous. What's it stacked film? up against? Other than the three we're talking about, Zombie Land. Zombie Land. I'm gonna say what we do in the shadows. As much as I hate vampire stuff, I didn't that finish movie, that one. And oh, it wasn't on purpose. That movie, from start to finish, is one of the funniest damn things. It's basically, I mean, I can compare it, and it's, it doesn't do it justice, but I mean, I love spinal, Jermaine Clement. It's and... Spinal Tap, but for vampires. It's, hmm. it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, we need to watch that. Yeah. They're turning it into a TV show, aren't they? Sort of. There's, I don't want to get too far into it, but there's some cops that show up into it. They're actually going to do a sequel about the werewolves, and that may still be happening. I don't know. Hmm. But um, it's Taiki or whatever, the guy who did uh, Thor Ragnarok. He oh, was, it's that guy. Yeah, he's the one that directed it. Okay. So basically, yeah, it's it's kind of like a Spinal Tap um, vampire movie, and the cops who show up at one point, they're getting like a six-episode kind of spinoff on like New Zealand TV or something like that. Um, I don't know the status of it. I haven't been able to find a lot of info on it, but yeah, it's pretty good. I recommend it. Can't forget all the scary movies. <clears throat> yeah. What do you think about those? I think those are pretty much trash. I think they are definitely a product of their time. <laughs> <laughs> are we not going to talk about Medea's Boo and Medea's Boo too? Look, I I barely <laughs> I mean, have an understanding <laughs> of what Medea is, other than it's Tyler Perry in an old lady outfit. Is she moving on to the horror genre? Is that what you're? <laughs> He's describing to he's, me right he's now? made two horror uh, horror comedies or Halloween comedies. Are based they funny? Of character. I, I don't well, know. they're Medea movies. So if you like Medea movies, they you'll make money. Like these. Yeah. They ma- dude, that guy is so rich. Yeah, he is hella rich. Like crazy rich. The man could buy like a a state probably easy. 
Like a North st- Dakota, maybe, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you said a steak. Yeah. A steak. I was like, I hope <laughs> he can the, afford a steak. That man is so rich, he can buy himself a 13-ounce yeah. porterhouse. No question. <laughs> He's got steak money for days. <laughs> How about some sauce to go with that? A1. No, I can't afford the sauce. Oh, well. He's going to have to He play. brings his own sauce. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if he plays Baxter Stockman again. There you go. Oh, that's right. He was in the Turtles movie, too. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting totally sidetracked. Sure. Shaun of the Dead. I wouldn't say it's the best horror comedy, but again, all this stuff is based off your preference. Like, I love the, the Spinal Tap, Best in Show kind of comedy. So what we do in the shadows was definitely like, it hit a spot for me. But I will say Shaun of the Dead is one of the, the few movies that I have laughed consistently through. If I'm gonna put a zombie film on, like if I'm actually in the mood for a zombie film, it's all, I almost always gravitate to this one. It's spectacular. you know what I mean. It's very smartly written. Yeah. Um, I keep finding myself laughing at uh, lines that I missed the first go around. Plus Simon Pegg and Nick Frost's uh, chemistry together is just fantastic. Yep, that's true. Um, so for anybody who has not seen it. Uh, here's what the back of the box has to say about this one. Oh, I can't wait. Get ready for a gut-busting, bone-mashing good time in the hilarious horror comedy Shaun of the Dead. There comes a day in every man's life when he has to get off the couch and kill some zombies. When flesh-eating zombies are on the hunt for a bite to eat, it's up to slacker Shaun and his best pal Ed to save their friends and family from becoming the next entree. Satisfy your bloodthirsty appetite with the movie that masters of horror and film critics alike are hailing as the funniest and scariest movie of the year. Novelist Stephen King gushes its a tin on the fun meter and destined to be a cult classic. Newsweek calls Shaun of the Dead a bloody hoot. It's a screamingly hilarious zomedy that will have you dying with laughter. I got two problems with that. What's your problem? Number one, it, the fact that it was written. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it's fair that they called Ed the slacker and then he, and his best pal, or Sean the slacker rather, and his best pal Ed when it's really Ed was the main slacker. I think Sean's biggest flaw is his devotion to his friend. Yes. I don't know that he's a slacker really though. No. You think it's a flaw? I think it is. In this case, it's pre- it's preventing him from moving forward with his life. Yeah, anything to an extreme, I would say, is, a, right. is probably a flaw. He's, he's unwilling or unable to confront his friend, or he always backs down uh, whenever his friend, you yeah. know, Ed's like, oh, whatever, man, I'm just going to sit it's on the couch. It's a lot of negative effects on his life. I'm not going to go get a job, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, and they called it like the scariest horror movie. I don't know that it was very scary. Well, that's <laughs> very any, enjoyable that's any horror movie but... that's out. Like it's like the scariest thing you've seen. Like there's some new movie on Netflix called like Veronica or something like that that everyone's oh, yeah, like, Marcus, tell me about it's that. the scariest <laughs> thing you'll ever see. And it's like anytime I hear that, I immediately like just stop and be like, okay, let's temper expectations now <laughs> because it's likely not. Just to uh, touch on the part where the back of the box was saying that um, horror genre folks were really impressed with it, I found out that George Romero cast both Peg and uh, Frost in his movie Land of the Dead. Yep, he did. showed up as zombies. Wow, yeah, that's cool. So he was so impressed, he threw them in the zombies. And they were actually prominently displayed. You can like easily pick them out. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen Land of the Dead. I didn't really care for it too much, so I might be willing to go back to it and look for them. But if you're saying it's really easy to spot them. There's there's moments in that movie where you're just kind of like, I need to turn this off. And then there's other times you're like, okay, this is an interesting like continuation of like this world that you know Romero's built. Any movie that stars John Leguizamo as a lead <laughs> is already basically like... Just pest. It's an uphill battle already. Hey, Carlito's Way was really good. Not a horror movie, but it was really good. I don't know if Ligazama was a lead, though. 
Uh, I feel like a supporting that's actor. True. Yeah, I guess he was. I mean, he was important to the movie, though. But I guess yeah, he wasn't really the lead. I'll give you that. Yeah. Like but back to Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Let's talk about Shaun of the Dead. So Shaun of the Dead is actually the first of a trilogy. Um, wait, I'm, wait. Yes. How is it a trilogy? This is this is official. Um, it's considered the trilogy is called uh, Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. It includes Hot Fuzz and The World Ends. Now they're thematically a trilogy. They are not. Wait, directly related. I hear you. Okay. What do you mean okay. thematically? Explain this to me. Wright considered each of the films a Trojan horse. Genre films that have a relationship comedy smuggled inside a zombie movie, a cop movie, and a sci-fi movie. So Edgar Wright considers this a honest-to-God trilogy of films. That's... Okay. I mean, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give it to him. I'm not going to say he's wrong, but I just... That's weird. The World's that... End was the weakest of the three, though. I agree with you. Oh. I never saw that one. I would um, watch it. I mean, it's good, but of these three movies, by far the weakest. To solidify this trilogy name, Cornetto is an ice cream company. Uh, Shaun of the Dead was red for the strawberry flavor. Hot Fuzz was blue for the original vanilla box. And World's End was green for mint chocolate. You all look right. dumbfounded. I, I don't even know what to say. Was he high when he was explaining all As this? someone who loves ice cream and is willing to basically like, let's equate anything to ice cream flavors. I'm on board with this idea, but I'm just trying to piece the three together, like trying to connect them in any form or fashion. Other than the actors, I'm just kind of like, eh, I feel like you're reaching. I feel like th- that's reaching. But again, if he says that's what he was going for, that's what he did, who am I to argue? So... I could say it's the trilogy that it's a trilogy just based on it's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are in all three. Are we also going to say that every movie that Al Pacino and uh, that'd be cool a shared uh, Al like Pacino like if, like if Heat and Godfather were all related? You know, it's it's a trilogy. <laughs> so let's say yes. Let's say I'm yes. good with it. Yeah. All right. From being the Godfather to a coach in any given Sunday, he's had a quite a career. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to talk about yeah. Nick Frost here for a second because okay. I like Nick Frost in Hot Fuzz, but his character in Shaun of the Dead, I just I had a real hard time getting past. Like, I don't know if it was just the the slacker comedy aspect of his character. Again, he felt fine. He worked in the movie, but like, you know, that part they always show in the trailers of like, yeah, boy, and they smack the sticks together, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, the, those moments, I didn't get anything out of. Like, when we went and saw the trailer for this at the theater, like, the audience erupted when that line was said. And I was just sitting there going, like, I don't find that amusing at all. Like, there was other things in this movie that were hilarious, but I don't know. His character just really didn't do anything for me. Um, I, th- you- I feel like he was the biggest pullback the thing that pulled me out of the movie the most was it like his acting the timing or just i think it was more the character i think it was more the character i'm not going to say nick frost was a bad actor in it because i think he did a great job and honestly i can't think of something he's been in that i haven't been like hey all right he nailed it Mm -hmm. but i think it was just that character i know he's supposed to be a slacker but it was just some of it was just like i don't know it just didn't resonate with me i think he i mean what are they they're going for a, a likable asshole Right, so at times that you don't like him. And I understand that as a likable asshole. (laughs) I completely get that, but it was just like, I don't know, like some of the the moments that like the audiences find really funny in this movie don't hit with me. And I don't know if that's something I just, as my comedic, you know, preferences don't get or what. Because like, I don't think this movie's as hilarious as everyone makes it out to be. Do you have any love for British comedy? I do. I do like British Mm -hmm. comedy, but there's... I don't know. Like I said, there's just moments of this movie where people will laugh, and I just sit there and kind of like, oh, okay. 
I don't know. I really like it. I think it's hilarious. I feel like maybe he's. How, what about stoner comedy? How do you feel? About I'm not that? a huge stoner yeah. comedy guy, so maybe that's what it is. He, maybe it's just that type of. He kind of walked out of like a different stoner movie. I feel like and uh, into a zombie movie. Yeah, I feel like, like half Pineapple Bakes. Express. Yeah, he would fit right into a movie like that. And uh, I enjoyed Pineapple Express, but there was a lot of that movie where people would be laughing around me, and I'd just be like, "Eh, mm-hmm. that's a, okay. Maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. we just maybe we just uh, we cracked the code." <laughs> Sometimes things don't click. Do you guys have an Ed? Did you ever have an Ed in your life? Like an asshole friend that was just on the couch all the time and never pulled his weight or just brought you down? Well, I pulled my weight, and I basically did what I was supposed to do, but. Are you saying you're as the, as the likable asshole? <laughs> I I can say I never really had that, but I probably was that to mm. a lot of people. Yeah, like if you didn't have one, you probably were one. We're tapping into some deep emotions here on Gravy Talk today. <laughs> uh, need some tissues. Mm. I want to apologize to all you out there. I've done some bad things in my life. I'm a real son of a bitch. I'm so sorry. Uh, so just to kind of give you a, a more overview than the back of the box, uh, Simon Pegg's Sean is kind of in a rut. Uh, he's reaching the end of his 20s. Everybody else seems to be moving forward. His girlfriend is desperate to get him to kind of start being an adult, get his own place, and just kind of move from what he's, you know, doing the whole drinking all night playing video games all the time, yeah. really not making the most of his life. And they weren't broken up, though, right? I... Not at the beginning of the film. No. Okay, okay. Sean's going through his, he, he works at like a, what, it looked like a comp USA. Yeah, some kind of electronic Some style like store. that, right? He, you're just kind of seeing how kind of pathetic this guy's life is <laughs> and just how, it's, it's routine, right? And yeah. I think the routine really plays into the, how this movie starts because when the zombie apocalypse finally does happen, he doesn't see it. He's going through the same routine beats that he's done for probably seven years or more. Probably one of the best scenes in the movie. And that's an excellent play on like how A, we are perceptive around us to the daily grind of your repeat, you know, routine. But also how like we as people, because of our routines and stuff like that, are very zombie-like in its own right. Like Absolutely. And that kind of hit a a chord with me. And I want to say that um, whenever Sean had to watch the store while the boss was gone. Oh, yeah. You got red on you. (laughs) Yeah. You got red on you, which came up several times. Uh, There was a line that the kids said to him. Oh, he says, when? Is that what you mean? Yes, that line. All right, keep your hair on, granddad. Hey, hey, whoa, I'm 29, for Christ's sakes. How old are you, 20, 21? 17. Hey, well, look, I know you don't want to be here forever. You know, I've got things I want to do in my life. When? Oh, man, that kind of gets me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, right (laughs) here, like, I better start doing some stuff. Um, I feel like it all depends on when you watch that movie, right? When you're yeah. like over 29, you're like, fuck, that's well, this a good came point. Out, this when came you're... out in 2004. Well, yeah. How long? That was 14 years yeah. ago? Had no effect on me that yeah, long. Yeah, when you're a kid, you're like, that's right, old people win. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and now rewatching it, I was like, oh, he's oh, right. That's always that's always hit for me because it's just like, ugh, okay. <laughs> Liz's friends are far too involved in Sean and uh, Liz's love life like it seemed like every decision and every argument involved her flatmates or whoever the the, the guy yeah. with the glasses was well i mean you you talk to your friends about stuff but also you know i think they you find out later how much a guy with the glasses little harry potter jr uh really <laughs> is obsessed with yeah. what's her face so maybe he has purposely sort of put himself you know in that position it's a whole going to plan. <laughs> Maybe this plays into Sean being um, not quite grown up enough, but he should have been like, if we're going to argue, 
we're going to go upstairs away from the yeah. public and your friends, and we're going to hash it out. Not oh, like do it right no. in front of everybody. I don't think it even occurred to Sham as a character that that is a thing that people do because he has you know his friend everywhere as well when they're having that discussion and he's playing whatever that yeah, arcade that's true. game is. And he's always got him in tow, right? Yeah. Ed's always along for the so ride. So it's like perfectly normal. That's true. Uh, but so you, you kind of get the picture. Um, Sean can definitely use a kick in the butt, and he gets it. In the form of zombie apocalypse, did they was there? A, did they explain how it started? No, in fact, every time they almost explained it, it got interrupted somehow. That's pretty clever. There was one part at the end of the movie that I remember where they were like, the theory that it was caused by monkeys infected with a rage virus has been disproven, and that yes. stood out to me. Yeah, yeah I, I, I remember. I was like, I was like, John's gonna have something to say about that. <laughs> An immediate dig to twenty eight yeah. days later. So I like that. Um, but and let's be ones- honest, that is one of the weakest like zombie <laughs> origin stuff. But you know, that was pretty clever. Yeah, I was like, but otherwise, every time they almost said it, it would like the channel would change or some interruption would happen. John, what do you think of these zombies? I'm not a fan of slow moving zombies, but I actually think they worked in this movie because they were more or less ineffectual. They and, were extreme lumberers, like yeah. more so than you would see other slow zombie <laughs> you could movies. could kill them with like records to the head. <laughs> so. I, for one, would not have thrown that Dire Straits album. Oh, that was so saying. funny. No, no, I like that one. Like, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, I, it, maybe it's just the kind of kind of times we're living in uh, with uh, gun control on the mind. Yeah, you kind of. I was realizing that. Oh yeah, isn't London? They're like a no gun society, yeah. right? They made it work. So they're looking for every little thing they can to use to get to the brain of these things. Yeah. Luckily, they were slow enough that they could go yeah. and grab every thing in a basket and start tossing it. And incredibly stupid because you just pretend to be a zombie and they would notice. <laughs> right. We don't need to mask our scent. Yeah. We just make the noise and they'll believe us. Yeah, take that girl with all the gifts. Yeah. yeah. With your crazy scent lotions. We don't need your sprays. They probably didn't even try to pretend. They just went straight for the spray. This movie does have one of the best uses of uh, Grandmaster Flash's white lines. Mm, the I soundtrack enjoy- of this film is fantastic, yeah, by excellent. the way. Yeah, I definitely enjoy it. Like, that was one of those moments where, like, I saw that in the trailer and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to find that funny. And then it actually played out in the movie. I was like, okay, that was really well done. I like the fact that they were like, is the that zombie, the scene where the zombie's moaning? They're like, and he's like, and it's like, I was like, I remember seeing that going, like, oh, that played out beautifully. Yeah, and uh, that was a heavy night of drinking at a place called the Winchester, which apparently is their local bar yeah. that they hit up every night. Have you guys ever had a, a night so intense that you were be oblivious to a zombie outbreak? I mean, that would be pretty tough, <laughs> I gotta tell you. Um, Let's just say decisions were made. It'd be hard... <laughs> It'd be a lot harder nowadays with Twitter and Instagram and push notifications. That's true. If, even, no matter, like, for 99% of people, the first thing you do when you wake up, right, is look at your phone or one of the first things. So you'd know pretty, like, oh, shit. You so know? you think if you were that drunk, you would be on Twitter and Instagram? That's the thing. is like, when I get, like, I like, think just wicked smashed, like... <laughs> Phones are not a thing that I can use properly. Oh, man. I think that... You may get one of those, like, garble texts from me with, like, a bunch of random letters, and it's like, send, no. and it's like, what the fuck were you, you talking about lucky. last night? Many a poor decision is made with a cell phone and alcohol. <laughs> yes, I've been known to make a few uh, regretful yeah. posts. I understand that, Mark. If you send me one more dick pic, <laughs> we're done. Look, eventually you're going to send one back. That's all I'm trying for. It's playing the numbers game. Do you guys have a Winchester? Where are you going to hole up when the apocalypse comes? 
I can't tell you. That's Could a I, secret. I would hope you would call <laughs> me and invite me in. <laughs> Jeez. Shh, don't tell Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's finally happening. He'll be dead soon. <laughs> Just shut up and it'll be over. Uh, I don't put a lot of thought into the apocalypse. I think we've talked about this on the podcast. So I actually hope I'm one of the first to go because I am not designed for apocalypse living. You know, my wife made mention that we should uh, put you through zombie training. I don't and film it. It wouldn't really matter. I mean, it would not be a very fun filming. Teach session. you how to throw hatchets and. I threw a hatchet backpack. at uh, the Ren Fair a couple weeks ago. I yeah. failed. I went zero for three. Well, you got to do it more than three times. Yeah, it's yeah. a practice. If thing. you're not good by three, you're never going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've resigned your fate. It's fine. No, I mean, John's look, been on three dates in his life, and that was it. They didn't go well. He's done. Look, this is number three. This is all I got. You in? Because I'm in. No post-apocalyptic movie is anyone having a good time. It's just like, hey, why would I want to be alive for that? What about um, that movie, The End, or This Is the End, or whatever? Those guys were having a pretty good time. Yeah, until a giant like devil with a huge dick came crushing through everybody. That would put a damper on things. Yeah. Yes. This is the other Simon Pegg film. No, no this, this is the is one with uh, Franco. Franco and oh, those. yeah, I would not want to be around for that. Yeah, you know, I don't think, I don't think being prepared for something like that's going to be good for your psyche either. Then you're kind of secretly hoping that it's happening because you're like, I want to show these non-prepared folks. Well, what happens when you hit like 76 and you're like, I spent years developing these skills for nothing? No, you end up with a shed full of toilet paper. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Like rolls and rolls of toilet paper because you've been prepping. Right. Beans, uh, other non-perishable goods. I feel like this is going to make you lazy. Less chance you surviving. And if it actually happens, then they're going to gloat. It's like, look who can wipe their ass. (laughs) Me. Until and you can't. Somebody shoots them and then just takes all their stuff. There that's you right. go. And that's what'll happen. Yeah. Because they're all old and they didn't take the training courses that I suggested. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep that in mind, Mark. Uh, zombie training, <laughs> perhaps. You know, Zombieland has some good rules, right? Number one, cardio. So maybe it's important to follow those rules. They're all pretty useful. So Winchester, you don't. What about you, Garrett? Where would you go hole up? Where would I hole up? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough one. I would assume like a second story or third story, right? We don't want to do ground level. No, because then when well, no, because if escape. something happens, you are kind of. Bu- I mean, unless you have like a really good like top down escape route, but even then, if it's swarmed enough to basically get through your bottom floor, you're not going off the side to safety. I'm going yeah, to the a, mall, mm. like Day of the Dead, right? The day. Yeah. I feel like the mall. Dawn of the Dead. Dawn. Okay. The mall has a lot of opportunities and potential there, but yeah. man, that's. A lot of places to cover that you're not sure. I'll go to Alamo, make my stand there. <laughs> I'll be in the basement with Pee Wee's bike. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark, do that. you have a place? I don't. Well, then why the hell are you asking? I'm us, looking man? for one. Yeah, I was I'm hoping sh- you would. I'm shopping around, fellas. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm asking. I would love for you to call a realtor and be like, "I'm looking for a place that I can buy that can withstand a zombie apocalypse." For non-Texans, Alamo would actually be a terrible suggestion. It's right in the middle of San Antonio, just mm-hmm. surrounded by But people. it is next to a mall. Oh, good point. Yeah. See? Easy river I escape. Think, John, I think we may have just done this, man. <laughs> Alamo Mall combo will just dig a tunnel beneath the two. Okay. And there's a museum close by, and they have a triceratops skeleton. That just scared the zombies away. There so. you go. I think we got it unlocked. <laughs> so the, the outbreak happens. They get a car, and they... Proceed to have one of the best montages that I've ever seen. And I laugh at it every single time as they're trying to figure out their plan because <laughs> they find out that um, Sean's stepfather's been bitten. Right. And they got to go save the mother, get over to Sean's girlfriend's apartment, and get over to the Winchester where they can 
hole up until it all blows over. No, 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 wait, we can't bring him back here. Why not? Well, it's not exactly safe, is it? Mm, yeah, the state of it. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Take calm, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! So then they get in the car, they go rescue the step-parents, but the mom is, like, oblivious. She wants, she can't really wrap her head around the fact that... She was that, great. Do you have any yeah. relatives that would be that oblivious to uh, the end of the world? Yeah. I actually you think do. a lot of older people would probably be that way. It's tough to imagine how, you know, you're... Probably, she's probably in her late 60s, early 70s, and now all of a sudden the whole world is just different, right? So it's probably like a defense mechanism almost. I don't think she was... Like stupid, I think it was just her her only way that her mind could kind of wrap around what was happening. Mm-hmm. And also, I think it was a play on a very British sort of uh, definitely, character. Definitely yeah, that. Definitely that. We that. don't you know really see in America. So. So at this point, Sean is really starting to become what everybody's been asking him to do, right? Yeah, he really steps up. He's stepping up. Do you think it's unfair for everyone to basically force Sean to basically like? You're like you need to be this thing that we think you should be, as opposed to what he was. I mean, granted, he didn't seem like. I mean, maybe you could be happier with it, but his like life after that didn't really seem a whole lot different, other than the fact that he just at one point took charge, and it was like, yo, that's really uncool, man. If the dude's living his life, he's doing his thing. I think in his girlfriend's cool. defense, she was saying. I need, this is what I need. No, right? I understand yeah. that. I'm not saying that like, you know, she's got to lower her standards yeah. or whatever, but I'm just saying like, you know, it just seemed like everyone was like, yo man, when are you going to step it up? What are you going to do? Like, and it's like, what are y'all doing? Like, you know, yeah, that's like, true. who I think, are you guys to like, his friends didn't seem to have like much going on in their lives either. In the moment that Sean needed to be that, he became that. I think it was always in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes it's when in extreme circumstances, people will just switch on and take control and get And that's fine, which means, which means that was always in him. But the thing is they were never faced with a situation in day-to-day life where he would have to be that person normally. Like, again, it just seemed really weird. They seemed really invested on him, like not being him. Like you need to be better. You need to do this. You need to be the, and it's like, why? <laughs> like, what does he need to do that for? Like. What exactly are you guys going to get out of this if he becomes that person? Yeah. Well, Liz's friends aside, because they were just there blowing hot smoke in Sean's face when he didn't need that. Like I said, they should have had this argument outside of their friend circle. <laughs> but I think Liz was looking for like just anything. a commitment of getting a house, moving forward, yeah. you know, beyond the relationship that it's been at the same point okay, for that's probably the fair. last couple that's years. Fair, yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's exactly what they were looking for. Yep. So he ultimately doesn't kill his stepdad. Right. Brings him along. Right. And then there's a good scene where Ed keeps the car and then he sees that his stepdad has this really fancy Jaguar. He's like, all right, I'll watch the car. And then he somehow crashes it into a pole. He purposely yeah. crashes it into <laughs> a pole so he can drive the... He's like, oh, guess you're going to have to take the Jaguar now. Yeah. Um, they make it over to Liz's house and uh, they all get a, a survival group. Every time they were going to go out and hang out, it was the Winchester. Liz was sick of the Winchester. Now that they're going to hole up to survive, where do they go? The Winchester. Winchester. (laughs) Uh, They run into another group of survivors along the way. And it was at this point in the film that I said, had I been Sean's group, I would have immediately turned tail and went with the rest of them. You know what I mean? Like, as safe as you think the Winchester is, 
it seemed like the other group had a better understanding of how to handle yeah, things. Yeah, that lady, I think it was Avon, she's like, oh, the Winchester. Right, good luck with that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Uh, if it's a bad idea, mind yeah. if we tag along? That was one of the best, like, British moments in this entire film. Yes. It was just like, you know, just that, that kind of, like, condescending, yeah. like, of course. And you're just like, I was like, oh, that's just so biting. I love that. And then the other group is the exact mirror of their group. <laughs> yeah, they have the exact, like, mirror. Every character is in both groups. Fantastic the archetype, scene. if you Yeah, mm-hmm. and as they pass by, they're all just saying hi to their, like, twin almost. Uh, for some reason, I, I remembered, um, God, the guy who does um, Last Week Tonight. John Oliver. John Oliver. I I thought I remembered John Oliver being in this movie, so I kept waiting, like like <laughs> over again. I was like, when does John Oliver show up in this again? That's British racist. I got to tell you, <laughs> look, man, all white people look the same to me. I'm just saying. I think one of the cleverest lines in the whole movie was when they were uh, Sean was calling his mother, saying, "Hey, how's everything? Oh, Philip's bitten, and she's doing her whole. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Nothing's wrong. Oh, it's gonna be okay." <laughs> They scream, we're coming to get you, Barbara. Yes. Yep. It was a total play that. on Night of the Living Dead. And I was like, oh, I've for some reason never caught that before this so viewing. Good. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that. And it might have been just because we got off the zombie episode You're in recently. good hands, though, because when George Romero watched this film, he didn't pick up on it either. Edgar Wright had to tell him, like, hey, Are we you put serious? that in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, that line you wrote? Yeah. You didn't even catch it. So you're in good uh, good company. So they make it over the Winchester. Um, Sean has to distract a horde of zombies to get in. Um, this is where David, uh, Harry oh, Potter Jr., that's his name. Another great scene, oh, though. Yeah, where, so they, they take the shortcut, and it's through like a bunch of backyards, and it's just this wall of fences. And then Sean's like, oh, what, you've never done a shortcut before? And he goes to leap over the fence, and it just falls flat on his ass. <laughs> Some good comedy in this thing. Yeah. So they make it inside, and then it's like, well, what do we do now? That's as far as the plan got, right? Right. That's as far as Sean got with the plan, and they're now it's just sitting around eating peanuts. They start making noise. Everything about this movie is so good. Like I know we're trying to keep it a summary, but I just want to talk about every <laughs> scene. Like when they're practicing to be zombies, or when he needs to go take a lookout, and he climbs up on his child's little fucking slide. Yep. Oh, the, the climbing up the child's slide thing. Like, that one... I, I came close to tears laughing yeah, so hard. So there was something about that moment where I was just like, yeah. Simon Pegg's so good at like comedic timing. Like the man is great at comedy and he's a good writer because he's pacing. Yeah. Like that movie never felt slow to me. Same with Hot Fuzz. Same. There was times where yeah. I almost felt it was getting slow, but then boom, he'd pick it right yeah, back up. Yeah, and they up. keep the camera just steady on the slide and it's yep. just him coming up just and walking coming right down. up it's it. So yeah. Great. There's so many good moments, but. Again, though, they get to the Winchester and you didn't have a plan past that. It's like yeah. they forced him to do this, and it's like... I almost you know. feel that's where the movie gets a little weaker, once they make it to the Winchester. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, because then it just becomes a uh, deluge of errors. Yeah, One exactly. after the other. Um, David, they confront David about his love for Liz. Um, and then he throws a fit and runs outside and gets eaten by zombies. And well, then, no, not quite. He threatens to run outside and uh and then he's like oh you're right and he has like this coming of uh like a heart or whatever and then he gets they break the window and pull him outside which leads to probably the grossest scene in the movie where they like tear him up and you can see his guts and shit that was a great like reminiscent of the romero yeah yeah uh, oh i'm sorry you know what i was thinking i was thinking of the girlfriend yeah Diane, who then decides she's gonna run outside <laughs> into I'm the coming, horde of zombies it was so stupid <laughs> Um, yeah, I think you're right, John. Once they get to Winchester, the movie starts to lose a little bit of uh, gas. Okay, we could edit this out if you guys don't want this on uh, public record. But let both of you were married. Mm-hmm. Sorry, ladies out there. <laughs> um, if your wife got 
grabbed by zombies and ripped to shreds out through a window, would you run out into the zombies after her and be like, I'm coming to join you, baby. I'm coming, Elizabeth. No, not absolutely not. No, because okay. we know that he's dead. I mean, we saw him. She saw his I know, legs I just, come off, his guts get torn up. There's no benefit. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious. Cause I was like, is that a thing that when you're just that in love with someone? I will like, only love once. Yeah. Come take me, zombies. I take mean, me away. Like, if there's, like, reason to believe they were alive and we can mount, like, a rescue expedition. But just sure. after you saw someone get torn into pieces... There was not much to accomplish. If this makes it into the podcast, listeners, I will update you and let you know if either one of these gentlemen did get divorced. <laughs> so. I'm putting this in. I feel like yes. my wife would understand. Yeah, I agree. If there's a shred of hope of saving her, of absolutely, I'm going to try my darndest. But if she's dead, I want you to get if mutilated. I'm holding <laughs> her leg, like my wife's leg, like I think we know it's over. Yeah. And in fact, I've given my wife instructions that if we're ever in a horror movie situation and I sacrifice my life, you need to run. There's nothing more frustrating when someone sacrifices their life to save someone and then the other person's like I'm just gonna stand around or continue to do the dumbass thing that I was doing like man that person's death is meaningless I would love that after death conversation between those two people and be like why yeah why are you already here (laughs) you already said you didn't love me you love the other girl and still I ran after you that's true Oh, that's right. It was after she, all of that. She's like, I've yeah. come to terms with You know this. what? Sean's friends had a lot of fucked up issues, too. Again, goes back to my, who are they to tell it's him true. he needs to change his life? That's a good point. That's a very good point. They all needed to do some work. Yeah. Some, some soul surgery. Exactly. <laughs> it's a real personal development in this group. Um, we didn't mention that in the Winchester, there is a Winchester. Right. A gun on the top of the bar. <laughs> so it's not just a clever name? Correct. <laughs> but dogs can't look up. <laughs> So one of the gags is like the gun doesn't um, fire. No one's sure if it actually is is a, a working gun. But Fat Al says it's a working gun. Right. And we find out it is. Yeah. And then we find out that nobody knows how to shoot it. Oh, it's so great. They're so bad at it. So many shots fired. Which is so, so probably realistic. Like if a bunch of random people just got old Winchester, they're not going to suddenly become sharpshooters. It's very true. Also, like we said, that uh, England probably I think has a ban on guns of some right. sort, so no one's probably they firing. do have strict gun laws, right? But yeah. So they're probably even less likely um, than Americans right. to have fired a gun exactly. for sure. The zombies break in, and um, in the process, Ed gets bitten. They get into the basement. It seems like all's over. They're all going to die there. Yep. There's no way out. Um, and then they start having some pretty deep conversations about like, I've always loved you, man. You know, I guess. Well, first, they, him and his girlfriend talk about they have two shells left, right? So how they think about killing each other. Right. How and are we going like, to off each other? And he does like, he like mimes it. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent. That was, that was amazing. And then, but then they find a hydraulic freight elevator. They make it out. And who's there waiting for them? The survivors that I said yeah, I would have joined up with. Right? Isn't it just Devon? I think it was a few. They, okay. they had like a motorhome, didn't they? Yeah, they had something. Well, they brought it was like the army with them. Yeah, yeah. And then Avon jumps out and is like, "Oh, it's only." I you think two? they all. I think it's like they all made it. Oh, okay. Because Maybe they had the, that, they had yeah. the better correct plan, <laughs> but she, I think she's visibly. She yeah, she's visibly like, "Oh, out. I'm glad someone made it all out." I think the chances of them all surviving would have been higher had they. And stuck I think that was yes. the joke where she was like, kind of like, "Oh, at least someone from your group made yeah. it." Like, kind of like we had no problem. It was you know? such like a Dusak Machina ending, though. Like, oh, the army's here, problem solved. Did you say Duke X? Deuce, Deuce, no. <laughs> Deus, Deus, Deus. I don't speak Latin, Machina. so uh, Deus. All right. In Turns English, out, we call it a bullshit ending. <laughs> <laughs> we call it a cop-out. 
So, John, this film, the world doesn't end. It's true. In fact, I love the ending because I feel like that is so realistically what would happen. We would just incorporate it into like our entertainment and move on. Like, if there's anything about humanities, we don't learn about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's the same. Move yeah. along. Uh, yeah, I immediately thought of you uh, talking about how you're just disgusted at the idea that the world would be overwhelmed with zombies and that would be it. Yeah. Just a few uh, survivors here. Um, Ed is now the pet inside a, <laughs> the shed. Uh, a shed. They play video games together. What yeah. do you think he was playing? It was some kind of... What kind of video game could a zombie have motor skills for? I think it was probably the same one he was playing at the beginning. Yeah. PS2 shooter, whatever it was. I think that's going to be a little too much motor skills. They never implied he was playing it well. That's a good point. He did try to bite him when he came and sat down. said, hey, Ed. Bub can use a gun in Day of the Dead. (laughs) That's true. Ed can use a controller. And And that one woman still married to her (laughs) zombie husband. That was weird to me. That was part. That was. It was just one of the clips when they were going through the entertainment. Oh yeah, yeah, the television. It was like a Jerry Springer type show. Do you think the state still recognizes that marriage? Do you think that's still yeah. legally binding? I mean, marriage? they really didn't get into the political, you know, situation. Uh, they should have more. I would have really liked to see like a sort of documentary at the if end. If we ever get the <laughs> chance to interview Simon Pegg, we should just ask all these stupid backstory. Yeah, like, it's like, so do you think the government will actually recognize that marriage even after the fact? He's like, I haven't thought about that movie since are, 2004. Are zombies counted in uh, when you're deciding how many representatives a, a place gets? What do you guys think? We've, we've touched on John, uh, John's on Sean's character uh, arc throughout the film. Do you think he grew and became that? I kind of feel like he went back to what he was before the zombie outbreak. Well, they implied that. I mean, he does I, more with his day now, and they like describe their little plan for the day or whatever. Like, I think what they ended up doing is like meeting in the middle. I was gonna say, I think yeah. Liz's expectations came down some. Yeah, and he rose to meet those lowered expectations. And, and that's the thing is, if you go back to that at the beginning though, if she just didn't have such lofty expectations, maybe he would have been willing to do that at the beginning of the but film. Her lofty expectations were like, "Could we go somewhere that doesn't serve fish all the time?" <laughs> You're in she Britain, my man. You're in Britain. Yeah. What do you? She wanted to go on a date. She wanted to not have I, his friends. <laughs> I agree. I'm laughing because you're implying that every place has fish and chips <laughs> <Yeah>. in London. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel it. like it will. I feel like it does. So, I've never been to yeah, London. She but... wasn't like I want to go on a you know round the world tour. I get it. It's not absurd, but at the same time, it was just kind of like you know she just kind of been like, all right, let's tone it down a little. Maybe he would have been more willing to. You... I'm not. I'm not blaming her, by the way, you guys. I'm just saying, like, I feel like both sides out the gate should have been like, eh. What do you think about Ed? I think Ed kind of stayed the same. Yeah, he was a zombie the whole time. Yeah. Deep down inside, we're all just <laughs> zombies. He did what he did in life as he did. I think Sean should have dumped weed. his girlfriend and gone out with that Evelyn character, whatever her name was, the one that had the plan that worked. Does Sean just needs a strong woman? I think so. Okay. I think so. Well, I think he's, he's going to be the beta male in that relationship, and uh, that's fine. This definitely is, when, we, when you talk about horror comedies, regardless of your personal preference, if this is not in your top three, you're missing out. I mean, there's there's something, I mean, you may, I don't know. It's got to be personal preference because this movie is so good. Just from a a, a filmmaking standpoint, yeah. it's shot well. Everyone acts great in it. Um, there's no Elizabeth Banks. Um, <laughs> Already so gives it like 10 points better than it's, any. It's pretty know. great. It's pretty yeah. great. So I, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. Multiple viewings. I mean, yes. you you will be able to watch this movie many times and not get, 
Yeah, there's a lot it. of depth in the movie. There's so much going on in like the background of every yeah. scene until well, they get to the Winchester. Mark mentioned that he but... caught jokes that he hadn't caught before. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's... And you've yeah. seen this movie multiple times, I'm sure. Like running in under a cold tap. But you said the doctor wasn't coming. You didn't call the doctor, did you? Well, I thought we ought to be on the safe side. I'm quite all right, Barbara. I ran it under a cold tap. I really think... We had our jabs when we went to the Isle of Wight. Like, that didn't get me the first time I saw it, but when I saw it again, I just cracked up laughing yeah i mean then this is so much background stuff going on we're not gonna bother that's like the the british mentality in a lot of situations exactly that actually goes to show like to to really illustrate also how good simon Pegg and all those people are yeah the whole team that worked in this movie and like you said no elizabeth banks to bring it down so (laughs) well it was a commercial and critical success and as we mentioned they went on to make two other films with the same trio um edgar wright simon Pegg. And Nick Frost. I would probably recommend all three, but you are correct. The World's End is probably the weakest of the bunch. Wait, yep. am I Edgar Wright? Edgar Wright. Oh, God. I've been giving Simon Pegg credit for making this movie the whole time. I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, so <laughs> every time I've like, Simon Pegg did a really good job of, you know, like, I, I meant Edgar Wright. <laughs> I apologize. There's someone out there that I've been offending the whole time of being like, Simon Pegg did a great job directing this movie, but it wasn't. So, all right, let's move on to the last film, which... I'm going to say was the biggest surprise, and I'm super glad you guys recommended it. First time you've seen it? First time I've seen it. I've seen it on Netflix, the the preview of it, multiple times, and I've always just dismissed it because, again, not really a horror guy. Yeah. Comedy horrors really hit or miss for me. Mark, tell them what we watched. Tucker and Dale versus Evil from 2010, directed by Eli Craig, stars Alan Tudyk, Tyler Labine, and Katrina Bowden. And this is what the box has to say about this one. Two hillbillies are suspected of being killers by a group of college kids camping near the duo's West Virginian cabin. As the body count accidentally climbs, so does the fear and confusion as the college kids try to seek revenge against the pair who believe that the kids are on some sort of suicide pact. Preconceptions and misunderstandings abound as horror and hilarity occupy the screen side by side. I think that's a pretty apt description. That one is the best of the three. Agreed. Yeah. And the word misunderstanding, I think, is got to be the theme of this film. Yeah. Right? I mean, they really must have not had a strong marketing campaign for this movie or something. Because like uh, Gary, I had never seen it. And a friend had suggested we watch it. And I was like, oh, all right. And it just blew me away. I man. think this is one of those ones that basically just didn't have a lot of backing. And Netflix, yeah. during the time when Netflix basically came out and said, we're going to start doing 60% original content. I think this is one of those ones they just snatched up and was like, hey, it's ours. We'll, yeah. we'll produce, not produce it, but we'll pay for distribution and you'll keep it on Netflix because did it have a theatrical release? It did. Oh, okay. It, it didn't okay. do very well. Then I take that back, mm-hmm. man, because I didn't hear a word Me about either. it until Netflix just was like, and they advertised it and too. And that's the thing is no one really, it, like you said, it didn't really have much of a budget. It was made on $4.75 million. Dude, that's great. You if know. that's all they had and this is what they yeah. made, that's fantastic. But once it got on Netflix is when everybody started hearing about it. And now it's kind of like a cult thing. I want everybody out there to watch it. If you yes. haven't seen it, um, so many moments of me just laughing out loud. Yeah. Of these uh, ridiculous scenes. Um, it's. I watched it this morning and like from upstairs, like my roommate could like hear me like audibly like <laughs> laughing and howling at like how fucking funny it was because... Again, I thought this was going to be kind of like an evil dead, like an army of darkness kind of level, like, you know, like campy one-liners, stupid little like, we're hillbillies, we're going to fight monsters. And I was like, oh, great. I have no desire to watch this. And I think it was, 
it had to be like within 10 minutes of this movie starting. I was like, well, this may be something different. And I think it was like 15 or 20 minutes into it. I was like, whatever this is, I am already on board. And yeah, I'm, I just, I get so excited about this. Cause this is the first time I've actually like watched a movie that I've been like, that surpassed any expectation I could have had. Would you say you had a misunderstanding with this film? I'm going to punch you square <laughs> in the face. Yes, I did. Yes, um, I did. I, it, it clearly kind of plays itself off as, and maybe that's just because that's what people are more familiar with, that campy style of like kind of horror advertising and pictures and stuff. Yeah. But this Do you, does not it, it was so good. play I mean, out the a, way it looks, the way it should play yeah, out. Yeah, really an exceptional film. Do you think this falls into parody territory? No. Mm. No. Like Shaun of the Dead, right? Obvious parody. This one's more, I don't know, just a comedy This was, this was film, a unique yeah. take on horror. I, don't, I wouldn't call it a parody because it is such a unique take. They're not parodying something. They're kind of just taking something and saying, hey, you've always thought of it this way. But yeah, what if like you looked really at it from this? Script, yeah, yeah, what if you, because it's not parody anything. It's more just kind of like, hey, you've never looked at it from this side before. They visit a lot of the same horror tropes, right? Gas station confrontation right. with the groups. Uh, chainsaw wielding, running around, <laughs> uh, ghost storytelling at camps, you know, you of know the past mean? massacres. It's most like, um, oh, fuck, I forgot. What was that Josh Whedon movie? Josh. Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. yeah, it's most like Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods basically started out as parody and it kind of becomes its own unique yeah. movie. This one just is its own unique take on, you know. This is stuff. far funnier than Cabin in the Woods, I think. I don't know if Cabin was supposed to be that funny, though. I, I mean, don't I think know. It had, I think it had moments, but... It was kind of twisting the, the tropes. Yes, right? it definitely was. And, and this, this one, one having a good time obvious, with it. obvious yeah, humor than Cabin in the Woods, but I don't know. Cabin in the Woods was pretty funny. So this is great because like the movie starts... Um, does it start with that flashback? Yeah, it starts with a yeah. flashback where like these like campers who are... 70s 80s like no, it was the early like it felt like it was the early 90s did it say early 90s to um everybody dance now or some song like that what were they listening? cnc music factory i don't remember the soundtracks oh my god let me i'll look it up <laughs> okay look it up but anyway it starts with this like sepia tone flashback where like these these hillbillies come out and murder these campers like one throws a saw blade into this guy's forehead and then the rest get like killed with a you know hatchet and then one gets run off and then it basically cuts to the movie and um it's the it's kind of straight to the college kids right the college kids driving yeah, to like the, the oh we're on our spring break or the whatever. omega betas or whatever their <laughs> yeah. stupid frat we forgot one. the beer we oh. forgot yeah i'm sorry no frat forgets beer on any Hell kind of road no. trip that's it, that's priority one. more realistic of them like we ran out of beer but right. no one's like we forgot the beer that's like being like yo we forgot the keys to the car but you got to get the two groups to meet so. Of course. Well, they almost hit the truck with these two hillbillies in it, or you know, let's call them. I don't call them hillbillies or rednecks, or let's call them rednecks. Let's call it these two rednecks, which are Tucker and Dale, mm-hmm. and um, they almost hit it because they're not paying attention, and then they kind of swerve around, and then Tucker and Dale drive past them and kind of give them a look, and it's supposed to like kind of be played off as menacing, like, oh man, look at these, you know, yeah. these redneck hillbillies. Oh my god, what are they staring at us? And then they basically, like, that's when you find out they forgot the beer. So they stop at a gas station, and Tucker and Dale are there doing their thing. And Dale is immediately uh, infatuated with one of the college girls. I'm sorry. I would be, too. She's beautiful. My God. Blonde ladies of the world, thank you. <laughs> oh, man, that was the one thing I, like, I was like. I was like, I think I know why you guys picked this movie. And I'm glad you did. So um, Dale is infatuated with um, Allison. That's the character's name. Um, Him and Tucker are having a discussion about like, 
she, I can't go talk to her, Tucker. I'm just a redneck boy. And he's like, you got to have the confidence to go <laughs> oh, in there. And- that was so great. He's like, <laughs> yes. you just got to get out there and have some confidence. And he's holding a scythe. Yes. Because they have like like lawn equipment and their their truck at the time. And he's like holding the scythe. He's like, you got to go over there. And the key is to be confident and just smile and laugh. And he's like, you're right. You're right. I am going to go over there. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to talk to her. So they're like, the college kids are doing their shit around the thing. All these girls are kind of around the cooler putting the beer in. And he walks over with the scythe, not realizing he's still holding it. And he's all like, it's it's a nice day or something like that. And he goes, ha, 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 like starts maniacally <laughs> laughing and smiling because he's so uncomfortable. But it comes off as just absolutely crazy. And then what? The the main the main um, frat guy who's Chad. Chad, of course. Chad. Chad. Of course it's a Chad. With a popped polo collar. Mm. He's like, like, back off, man, back off, and kind of gives him a little karate move. And <laughs> Dale's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then like they like get in the car and drive and he goes, Nice cooler. And I was like, that's probably not the first time that man's complimented a cooler. <laughs> yeah. But that's the end of that scene and they drive off. Well, you, you find out later that uh, Chad has some issues with rednecks. Oh, we'll get into that. Yeah. Be made clear later, but correct. So um, while the college kids are making their way out to the campgrounds, uh, Tucker and Dale have just purchased a new summer home <laughs> out in this West Virginia forest, and it's a fixer-upper, a real fixer-upper. But they're in love with it. We kind of get introduced to the cabin there's a lot of good dialogue in this film. Well, we actually get he did get stopped by a cop on the right. way out, and the cops oh, all right. like the cop stops Dale and Tucker, which is important because he'll show up again. Yeah, later. and so the cops all like pain up there. Typical, <laughs> typical, like you know, hillbilly cop. You know, like he's like like you know what I stopped you, and they're like, oh well, you know, hey, license and registration. He's like, I lost my wallet, but I have my temporary like paper one. <laughs> yes. Like it's so great. It's so like every trope you would expect of like license and registration they're like oh i don't have it but i've got this yeah. and it's like so polite and they're nice. so genuine yes it's so great these two characters i was like wow this is amazing they're they're so likable yes and um the cop basically like i pulled you over because you have a, a broken tail light and he's like oh yeah i'm so sorry about that and he's like yeah. get it fixed and he's like i got a summer home on the lake and that's where he's like he's like you'll find nothing but pain and suffering up there <laughs> and they're like Okay, and then they like drive all off, right. and it's like it's this great moment of yeah. like all this stuff that you know in every movie, you know the hillbillies or the rednecks are the ones that kind of make it uncomfortable. They're the ones that are being like treated uncomfortably yeah. yes. in this film. They're normal. Um, I also really got to give credit to Alan Tudyk. That dude is good in almost every film I've seen him in. Which one was he? He's uh, Tucker. Yeah, that guy was great. Yes. Yeah. Now I don't know if you noticed this, but we made an accidental Firefly reunion in our episode. Nathan Fillion is in one, and now we get oh. Alan Tudyk in this one. Oh, that's right. He's the guy with the little dinosaur. Yeah, he's Walsh. Yeah. Okay. And it was unintentional, but I was like, eh, that's kind of funny. I know good very little out. about Firefly, so I didn't put that yeah. together right away. It didn't click at all for me, but that's a really good call out. So they make it over to their home, and uh, the college kids make it over to their campground. Now, how did they get into their first kerfuffle? Was it them out on the Yeah, the, so they're like, oh, fishing? let's go skinny dipping. So they go to the lake. And um, Allison's, I guess, taking off her clothes and slips and falls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, she's drowning. So they go to well, save no, no. her. So Tucker and Dale are in a boat and right. they see her getting naked. Right, and so, like, fishing. and then Tucker kind of is like, ooh, let's watch this. No, this, <laughs> then, is, this is exactly what happened. Dale goes, Tucker. You see that girl? And then Tucker goes, when the college girl is prancing around half naked, you do not call out my name. <laughs> That's a great line. That was such a great... And then like she basically like hears them, freaks out, yeah, and like falls. slips off the rock, hits her head, 
And then they're like, oh, my God, she's going to drown. So they go and get her out of the lake, right? Yeah. They rescue her. Uh, the I, friends misunderstand and right. think they are kidnapping Dale's her. Dale's like, we got your friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they freak out and run away. And that really kicks this whole oh, thing yeah, off um, yes. where the understanding from that uh, point on, happen. From that point on, the college kids basically only view Tucker and Dale as your typical, like, deliverance style psycho killer you know hillbilly rednecks like that's their perception and everything they do can be taken either way as like completely innocent (laughs) or completely crazy because at one point because after that dale is um like kind of nursing her back to health and being super nice and she's like oh my god i'm locked up in a cabin and he's like no no it's cool i got you food we can play board games (laughs) and then she quickly is like oh okay this guy's kind of nice and then tucker's outside working on the cabin because that's what they're there to do and the college kids are like we're gonna go they're making a plan they're gonna go get our friend back because chad is just like no these guys are terrible like totally going off and so what are they i like the scene where she wakes up right and he's like i brought you pancakes she's like ah oh you don't like pancakes (laughs) yes Yes, i forgot about that one Yeah, that was great. But you start also to find out that um, Allison herself may not be so much of a ditzy college type. Oh, either. no, she's she pretty grew smart. up on a farm. Yeah. Well, you find that like a little bit later yeah. after the first friend. So the, the college kids are like, we're going to go get her back. So they, they go up to the, the cabin, Tucker and Dale's cabin. And Tucker's outside, and he's going to use a chainsaw to cut through a big old log. <laughs> so the college kids like are doing Rochambeau, rock, paper, scissors to see who's going to go up and, and see what's going on. So one of the kids is elected. It's not Chad. Nope. <laughs> and then he goes up to halfway there. At that time, Dale and the girl are inside doing their thing, playing board games. Tucker cuts through this log with a beehive in it. And basically bees like come at him. <laughs> so he runs around the cabin with his chainsaw yeah. swinging in the air, like, like leather lives. face, just like, <laughs> like screaming. Doing the his ki- best leather face yes. impression. The kid sees this. All the other college kids way back in the watching on see this. And everyone starts running. So the kid who thinks he's being chased by Tucker, <laughs> Tucker's running away from the bees. The kid's being chased, thinks he's being chased. And they're running. And then Tucker starts outpacing the kid. And the kid's like, wait a minute, what the fuck? And then runs right into this giant like piece of wood and impales himself yep. on it and then dies because of that but the kids think that that like oh tucker killed this kid yeah the misunderstandings continue yep. they yep. assume that the the rednecks are killing off their friends left and right one of my favorite like subtle jokes is when tucker goes back inside and he gets a beer and he just pours it over, over his, his face because like, he's been stung, stung by face. bees and stuff like that <laughs> So the college kids go back, find their dead friend's body, and everyone's like, oh, my God, what happened? And Chad's like, I'll tell you what happened. They killed our friend, and blah, blah, blah. And at that point, um, inside, what's the girl's name? Allison. Allison is like, oh, those are my friends. We should go talk to them. And they're like, okay. So they go, they're like, you stay here. We'll go talk to them. You need to recover. (laughs) So Tucker and Dale go out into the (laughs) woods to basically explain what happened, and the kids freak out and hide, and they're like, Look, there's an axe. They must have been right here. So he takes the axe and writes out a note saying, we have your friend. (laughs) Basically to let them know politely, hey, we have your friend. She's safe. But they take it as, we have your friend. And so that launches Chad's like, oh, we're going to right. take these guys down. Like that clearly point, triggers some issues that Chad has had. And you come to find out seated, later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the funniest lines in the film um, when you start getting Chad's backstory towards the uh, last part of the film, um, turns out that that uh, flashback at the beginning with all the hillbillies killing the people 
Chad's dad is one of those crazy hillbillies. Yeah. Right? Okay, no, I have a you're question about hillbilly. that. Yeah, it's true, Chad. You're half hillbilly. <laughs> I, have, I have a question about that. Did that really happen to his parents? He said, that's a story my grandmother told me. Did that really happen to his parents? Well, they find or... the newspaper, and yeah. the guy in the picture looks exactly like Chad. Okay, okay, okay. I couldn't, I don't remember that. I was like, yeah. I was like, it's when they get a... to the sawmill portion. Because I thought the, the whole movie was about misunderstandings, and I thought maybe the grandmother told him this story. It's kind of like, oh, this is what happened to your parents. Maybe it was something else. And so maybe he just had this misconception the whole the movie. The whole movie. Right. But, okay, that would have so played better in with a theme, right? Yeah. But, so, yeah. They go back, right, after they write this note to start doing their chores and using wood chippers and Dale's digging a shithole <laughs> with Allison. <laughs> and they think they're making her dig her own grave. Yes. yes. God, they're so sick. She's digging her own grave. Because the college kids are like kind of off in this but can see what's going on at the thing and so that's where you find out that allison's like oh i grew up on a farm it's either you know earn your keep or you know get out yeah so you find out she's pretty handy and smart the college kids are all in attack mode right we're getting allison back these guys are gonna pay they're the clumsiest college kids i've ever seen and we get probably my favorite kill of the movies when the kid throws himself into the wood chipper yes he lunges, he lunges at tucker to stab him and tucker bends over to grab something and he flings himself at tucker but goes into the wood chipper tucker stands up sees half a body hanging out the back of a wood chipper grabs the legs and is trying to pull him out but from like the way the two like hot like college girls are sitting it looks like he's jamming them in. in and they're like oh my god and so like the blood shoots out the wood chipper on these girls and um when they take which his- was Body out. Tucker goes. They better not make me pay for this. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's so great. And then, um, so they basically think that another kid is basically running at Dale, who's digging his own, who's digging the hole yeah, with the, Allison. The outhouse hole. Dale hears it, spins around real quick, hits Allison in the head with a shovel by accident, she knocks her clean out. And then the kid lunges at Dale and then impales himself <laughs> on a giant spear thing that he had made. And then Dale's like, oh, my God, like, what just happened? This kid just, like, impaled himself next to me. And, and that's so- when they assume they're in a, some sort of weird yeah. suicide pact. Yes. Tucker! Tucker! Holy mother of God! What happened to you? Are you okay? What happened to me? Some kid. He just hooked himself right into the wood chipper. What? Head first right into the wood chipper. From his shoes and his pants, it looked like it might have been one of the college kids. What the hell happened to her? What? Oh, she got knocked down, fell into the shitter hole right next to me. Is that your blood? What? No. No, it's college kid blood. One of those suckers came running out of nowhere and speared himself straight through the gut and died right on top of me, Todd. Holy crap. Oh, no. Calm down. Calm down. Don't cry. Calm down. Okay. Get a hold of yourself. Okay. So what? What do we, what do we, um, we go to the police? Call the police? Yeah. Tell them what? Oh, I would tell them what happened. Uh, that's a good idea, Dale. Oh, howdy ho, officer. We've had a doozy of a day. There we were minding our own business, just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property. Then the cops show up. That yes. cop from earlier shows up, <laughs> and he's all like, like at that point they're dragging, they're dragging half the, body. the wood chipper kid out. Yeah, because gee, officer, we've had a doozy of a day. Because well, Tucker said, because Dale's like, we need to go call the cops, and Tucker's like, you understand how this looks? We will basically go to jail. Like, there's no way we're getting out. So, like, we're just gonna clean it up and forget this ever happened. These kids will kill themselves one way or the other. <laughs> And, of course, everything that Dale says just makes the situation look like they're the criminals to the police officer. So innocent, but so, like, you could, you could take it either way. So the cop shows up. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, 
oh, uh, this kid just basically totally yeah. jumped on a stick. These college like, kids just killing themselves <laughs> all around us. No, they keep killing themselves on my property. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what it is. And then, um, but yeah, the, the doozy of a day, because like before they decide to like clean up, it's like, oh my God, this has been a doozy of a day. And the cop's like, what's going on? He's like, well, officer, it's been a doozy of a day. Yes. So they explain it to him. The cop basically like, is like what the hell and he's like don't worry we've got their other friend inside we've got the girl inside she could tell you and explain what's going on but i accidentally no- i knocked her out with a shovel and he means it innocently but the guy's like wait a minute you knocked a girl out with a shovel and she's inside and he's like yes tucker gives him the worst look yeah it's like you need to stop talking right now and yeah. let me do the talking um so they go inside right yeah and this is where the part of the home being a fixer upper really comes into play um while they're discussing what's going on the cop starts telling them hey this is looking real bad for you fellas uh and then he puts his hand on a post that uh, uh is not nailed down properly and a piece of wood swings and just hits him square in the head yeah it's a load-bearing yeah. post the full, top full of nails right Tucker's like looks like he's gonna walk it off <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which i think there's something in the human anatomy that as soon as some sort of deep trauma happens to you physically you try to walk it off like, oh, I'm going to yeah. be okay. You got that I'm going to be okay. Like, I got to do this. <laughs> yeah, nothing's wrong. Nothing's <laughs> wrong. And then he falls over dead. And the um, college kids outside who are watching this, like basically see the cop walk out with boarded nail in his yeah. head and dies. They see it and they're like, oh my God. So they grab a, like, they grab a gun, start shooting yeah. the house and Tucker Dale hit the floor and they're like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, Something that we need to mention too is at this point um, when the college kid called the cops, Chad's not on board. Yeah, he's, we don't need Chad's the already started to... Oh, Chad's decided to, we need to handle this. He's already starting to get into some sort uh, level of mania or psycho yeah. uh, territory where he's now considering this to be a, a one-on-one battle of, to the death with yeah, these Yeah, pretty much. More or less, this is going to be like yeah. return like retribution for what happened to his family yeah. because these guys are out to do the same thing to them that they did. So, when they captured their dogs, were you like, oh my God, I'm going to see another dog? I did. I was like, if I see another damn animal get murdered on the screen in front of me, I was like, I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> so Chad, uh, they, they kidnap Tucker, or no, they kidnap Dale's dog and leave a note saying, we got your dog, you redneck. And basically... They're going to have this uh, sort of standoff, right? You bring Allison, we'll give you the dog. Was yeah. that the idea? Yeah. I think the entire time Chad had in mind, he was going to kill them both. Oh, yeah. No, no. Right. Chad it was, was it like... It was a trap. Yeah. Well, at this point, they also think that their her friends are trying to kill Allison, too. They're like, they're trying to kill each other and oh, kill right. you for some reason. <laughs> yes. So they don't want to give her back. Right. That makes sense. Um, that also, side note, Allison basically tells Dale at some point that she's getting her bachelor degree in psychology. Yes. And he's like, what do you plan to do with that? She's like, I don't know. I just want to help people. I think everything can be solved if you just talk things through. Most of it's just miscommunication <laughs> that causes problems in the world, which plays into the whole theme of everything yeah. that happened. It's just been a miscommunication so far. It- yeah. And that gives us a scene where she actually gets Chad and Dale to sit down at a table and work out their issues. Right. But we skipped where, so Tucker goes to save the dog and they capture him. Mm -hmm. And then they like string him up and they cut off his fingers. Yep. And then they like. They deliver it to the door. And Dale's like, they cut off his bowling fingers. (laughs) (laughs) I think Tucker just had a really bad weekend. He did, man. Um bee stings, losing yeah. his fingers, and then he's hung upside down, right? Right, and so then Dale goes to save him, and yeah, then they have that sit down. 
Oh, it was a side that reminded me of a line. Okay, this is such a great line. At the very beginning, we're at the gas station to call it back to that. Um, where he's like, go talk to her, you know, like, you know, like confidence. And he's like, hell, tell her you have a summer home by the lake, you know? <laughs> like, he's like, girls will love that. And he's yeah. like, I can't tell her that. It's just like, so it just goes to Tucker's character of like, he really views this cabin as like, we have a summer place. Like, he thinks it's that so they've excited, made it. Yeah. He tells the cop, like, I sunk everything into this. It's a status symbol for them. But it's good. Yeah, it's like, like we finally made it. Moving <laughs> on up. But I was like, that's so great. Like, the whole thing, he still just views this as like, this is it. We've worked so hard towards this. So anyway, back to the uh, the, the table negotiation. Yeah. So we get a dump of Chad's um, kind of twisted backstory. He, he tells the story about Grandma. Mm-hmm. Tell him about how his family was murdered by uh, rednecks. Mm-hmm. So he's got this deep prejudice against them. And during this scene, two other friends decide they are going to ambush and break in. Right, because Chad said, if I'm not out in 15 minutes, come in, guns blazing. Right, and what happens? One of them catches on fire somehow. So that's the thing. Is Okay, I remember this. Cause, okay, you watched again, it this morning. I watched it recently, and this will always be with me. This movie was so great. So they're like, they walk in, they're like, we come to get you, and he's like, you know, like these hillbillies, and then he's like, "I'm gonna put an end to this." And Chad grabs a, an oil lantern right. and throws it at Dale, and misses Dale. Like him and Allison like move real quick, and then it hits uh, their black his friend, friend yeah. the, col- the college kid, mm-hmm. and it catches his pant leg on fire. And the girls are like, "Oh my god!" And yeah. so the guys like trying to like move around and pat it like no no stop moving man don't do that don't do that <laughs> you want to stop drop and roll then the really hot dumb yeah. blonde girl the other one who got covered in blood earlier grabs a jar of what she thinks is water but it's moonshine yes. and then dale's like no no you don't want to do that <laughs> don't throw that and she throws it on the dude's leg to put him out and it just engulfs him in flames right. so his friends bur- their friends burning to death and that's when tucker yells stop drop and roll <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and um it's funny because <laughs> It's funny because I remember at one point Dale and Allison are like, like, oh no, what's happening? And everyone's like freaking out. And it's like, this smells so bad. <laughs> this smells so bad. So at any point where this is going on, you got to think these kids would have stopped and be like, Chad, you're being way too maniacal right now, dude. All he the wasn't decisions hearing it though. Like every, well, they tried. And, and he, they did. Yeah. Like, dude, you sound crazy. And he was like, doesn't matter. I'm going to yeah. get him. We're in this battle for the death. You so know? tranquilize him. Put him out of the game. <laughs> Take the him off the board. Cabin, like burns down. Tuck, and, or, yeah. Chad's face gets half burned. You're like, should we go help him? And he like gets up and they're like, no, never mind. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. We're going to leave now. But yeah, no, Tucker and Dale are like, like getting, they got away from the, the cabin that burned down and um, Chad gets Allison and takes yeah. her. So they crash, thinks, right? Dale's yeah. like, oh, that college kid will never catch us now. And then he runs right into a tree. Yeah. One thing yeah. we need to mention is at this point, Chad is convinced whoever was left at the time that Allison has Stockholm syndrome. Like yeah, she's that's fallen right. in love with her captors. No, it was. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the blonde. Oh no, is the the uh, one of the other girls was like, oh, I learned about this in my sociology class. She has Stockholm syndrome. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I come on. I mean, she had been gone maybe a day. <laughs> I. How long does it take to but develop it Stockholm depends. syndrome? It depends. But man. I also believe, like, when you're in college and you've taken like these intro classes, you know people really do believe they know this. Stuff, oh yeah, man. no, They're it's like, it's amazing, especially psychology majors. Yeah. I've known too many people who taking psychology so, it's like oh, it totally down. fits with like the earth like your 20 year old college student to think they've figured it all out like that and plus most <laughs> of these college kids with the exception of allison are not very bright no they're pretty they're I'm like the, say they're pretty the, dumb 
the frat trope, which is sure. funny because Tucker and Dale are dumb in this innocent kind of way, and mm-hmm. these kids are dumb in this kind of like we know everything kind of way, but they don't know anything, which is a great like role reversal for what exactly. we normally see. But um, and that's why the film works so well. Right? Yes. So Chad basically gets Allison, ties her up. Licks her face when he's yeah. half burnt. That was so disgusting. It's yeah. such like, a classic evil villain too. He like he ties her up to um, like a lumber mill chainsaw. Type oh yeah, device. yeah, yeah, yeah. A piece of wood that's gonna basically go through a, a giant vertical saw. It's like blade. one of the black and white films. Exactly. The maiden strapped to the old vaudeville type yeah. shit. Yeah. So how does this one end? Wrap it up for us. So Dale goes in to rescue her. And um, they fight uh, Chad. And Dale's yeah. like, man, that kid is tough as nails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he gets kicked around by this kid. He's like, yeah. man, that college kid is tough as nails. <laughs> so they go upstairs. They discover his whole backstory. And uh, and she finds a box of chamomile tea, which Chad had mentioned earlier, sets up his asthma. And um, mm-hmm. they, like, throw it at him. And he has a little asthma attack. And they push him out of the window. Is a- this is after, like, uh, Dale has an axe and throws it sideways, <laughs> which... He was trying to throw it at Chad, but it hits the ropes and knocks um, Allison off the uh, piece of wood that's about to get sawed. So saves her just in right. time. That's when they run upstairs. <laughs> they find the chamomile tea, which at first I couldn't remember. I was like, wait, what is going on here? Because I didn't remember that he said that it sets it's off It's when they had to sit down. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to make some tea. And he said something like, not chamomile. Cause She's I like, no, it's Earl's Yeah, I, I completely, I, yeah. I guess I didn't remember that because I was like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> and then they explained it again really fast. And I was like, oh, thank God you guys said that. I would have yeah. been totally lost. <laughs> And um, so then I think it just fades out, right? And it fades back in with Tucker at the hospital. And they essentially blame it all on Chad. And they reattach his fingers, but one of them's a girl finger. It's a lady that finger. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> like, I don't remember this one looking like that. It's, it's got, got nail, nail polish yeah. on it and everything. I was like, what? That was pretty funny. Uh, and then uh, like Dale brings him a PBR. Um, and uh, With a straw. With a that straw. That was a nice touch. Right. That was classy. And yeah. uh, him and Allison are dating, and now he's like giving another hillbilly advice, like Tucker gave him advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go bowling. and That's right. And they yeah. freak out and start screaming. <laughs> yes. He doesn't take the advice as well. Maybe confident hillbillies is not what we need in the world, but... And uh, that's pretty much the end. Yeah, this movie was great from start to finish. Yes. Um, it's also a nice length. It's about an hour and 28 minutes, yep. I think. Um, it there's feel so too not long. a lot of uh, bloat to it. And at the end of the film, it we learn it takes 10 deaths to get a college girl and a hillbilly together. <laughs> exactly 10. Also, it was a great uh, hillbilly uh, city person meet cute because the last one we had of that was Deliverance, and that didn't work out so well. <laughs> so it was point. nice to see it work out yeah. for once, you know? I'd say of all the movies we've done so far, this is the one I would recommend the most if you've never seen. Like, if you've just oh. never seen this one. Every every, every seen, episode we've done? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't I know if I'd say I think it's the most that. universally enjoyable. I don't. I think almost... I can't imagine any kind of person who would see this movie and be like, "Yeah, I didn't like it." Definitely, <laughs> if you find yourself on the side of not enjoying scary horror films as much, this is going to be straight up your alley. It's got more of the comedy while yeah. taking some of those horror tropes and playing with them. I feel like "Girl with the Gifts" definitely stands out as one I would recommend to like anybody mm-hmm. who's like, "I've never seen it." I'd be like, "Oh, you must see this." But that movie is a little bit long, and if yeah. you're not specifically like willing to sit down and just kind of like dedicate the time to it, I could see how some people might be a little bit bored. But this movie, even if you are bored with like the horror aspects or any of that, it's a, it's, it's a great written comedy that just happens to have these elements in it. Yeah. And um, which also though is if it didn't have so many of the horror tropes in it specifically, I don't know if I'd consider this a horror movie. I'd say it'd be like a like a, a like a drama, like a slash like a thriller kind of thing. But because there's so much of that like direct 
horror, you know, parallels. Yeah. Like a horror template. Yes, like the the chainsaw scene that's supposed to be like Leatherface, the, you know, the wood chipper, stuff like that. But if it didn't have those specifically, you know, I don't know if I'd classify it as specifically a horror film. Well, I'd say Eli Craig is so far two for three in my book, Zombieland, yep. Tucker and Dale. And then uh, I'm so far, I've watched about 25 minutes of his new one, Little Devil. I was lukewarm on Zombieland. It had moments, yeah. but oh, it wasn't Zombieland. huge to me. I, that one I saw in the theaters, and I was a huge fan. Hmm. So there had been rumblings about Tucker and Dale versus Evil Two, um, but currently it looks like it's in limbo. They I had, hope it doesn't. I happen. hope it doesn't happen. I'm, a, I'm on the same page. Um, I don't think this needs a sequel. It's a much better standalone film. Yep. Um, they did have a script written up. But they bluntly explained that it didn't go forward because it just wasn't up to standards. Like, yeah. they don't want to make this movie if it's not going to do anything for this series, if you will. Yeah, it would be challenging because they've grown, right? Uh, Tucker and Dale have grown as people. So you can't play that same, oh, innocent kind of hillbilly thing, I think, anymore. And that's what really made this movie work was it was so unexpected. You might find yourself <laughs> in, like, Friday the 13th territory, Pulling the creature out of its comfort zone. Yeah. Oh, Tucker and Dale go to the city, or you know, Ugh, something weird so like cheesy. that. I, I guess I'd watch Tucker and Dale go to space. Well, there's, <laughs> there's certain types of characters that you know, like once you once you get it, the misunderstandings of you know Dale being so innocent would be lost in another situation. Yeah, because you like, oh, this is going to be just a misunderstanding. The thing, I think the, the reason it worked is every time something happened, you were like. Oh man, it's just the innocence is what's basically causing the confusion here because that situation plays out continuously like yeah. that. If you put it fresh, you're going to lose two things. Number one, you're going to be like, well, they've dealt with this before. Why don't they just say something out the gate right exactly. now? Exactly. And then number two, it's like, well, they've they've dealt with something like this before. They shouldn't be so oblivious to that, you know. Like so, you definitely lose something with certain characters like that. That's what we saw with um, uh, Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. It's almost the same. You know, film. like it's almost the same film mm-hmm. and it works because the situation is different, but they're different characters. If it was still like Tommy and whatever, you know, David Spade's character was, you wouldn't believe it as much because you're like, oh, they should have learned something from previous exactly. events. So Agreed. you lose a lot when you try to keep that going. But um, any other thoughts on this film or any of the comedy horrors we talked about today? I, I will say this. This episode has kind of made me really, like, sit back. And, you know, again, I'm not a big fan of the camp. You guys know how I feel about uh, Army of Darkness. Mm. Um, oh, I did watch the Evil Dead remake. I told you guys I would do the homework. You did see it. I did watch the Evil Dead remake. Did you make it through? I did. And, wow, uh, that was rough. Roughly that awesome. Was, that was, it, was, it was definitely, <laughs> like, I was like, wow, this is intense. Like, they... Made a horror film. Yeah. yeah, the comedy stripped out. But then again, the first one wasn't really that funny to right. begin with. So I think they did, was just taking the the formula of and just kind of you know dialing it up. up a little bit. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. There was a few scenes in that movie I was like, "Whoa, okay, I, this is happening." Specifically, when she's looking at herself in the mirror, about to start cutting her skin off. Yep. Yeah. That one was like, "Oh my god!" When that car, please don't show it. Please when don't the show. Car it. falls on her leg and she has to yeah. pull it out. Oh man. Uh huh. There was definitely some moments where I was like, "Ooh, you, I see what you're doing here." Yep. But um. So I walked out of that one with what? Uh, what do you think? What Evil Dead? Yeah. I would say a very. I, I if they had done that originally, I understand time and place is different, but um, if they had made the original Evil Dead that scary or try to go for that level of like horror, I would have liked it a lot more. I think it's definitely redeemed Evil Dead for me. Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, no. I don't think you're going to be able to redeem those. Like, those type of movies have kind of turned me off of comedy horror. 
But these movies that we did today, uh, with the exception of Slither to a degree, have really kind of got me to like, just I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to, I, before I judge, I need to kind of watch because there's some good ones. Yeah. I would recommend all three of these, depending on the level of comedy you want. Slither would be on the, probably the furthest from the comedy side, but still funny situationally. Unless yeah. you're a huge Elizabeth Banks fan, then watch it. And then question <laughs> what you're doing with your life. <laughs> For all two of you out there. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for checking out our comedy horror episode. Don't forget, we're taking submissions for John Dies First, so check our social media to see what the upcoming movies will be. We will read the best few at the time of recording, and John will pick the winner. You'll win the right to brag to your friends that you successfully killed a stranger in a fictitious movie. As always, if you have any topics you want us to discuss, corrections, or comments, hit us up on our Twitter page at The Grave Talk, facebook.com slash Talk, or you can email us at gravetalkpodcast at icloud.com. Our podcast is available where all fine free podcasts are sold, like iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any. If you like our podcast, please share it with any other horror fans you think might enjoy our content. Until next time, keep yourself above ground, Otherwise, you may be dead, and the dead can't listen. Bye.